If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We are live with a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, September 10th, 2014, alongside Ian Ferguson. Howdy. Hi. I am Pat Contry. We have a pack filled fun filled plethora of a show i really just destroyed a the pack filled i really just destroyed the whole order of what i was going to say in my head there this podcast is full of herds of buffalo uh, yes it sh- it sure is wow so coming up on the show we'll be talking about the release of destiny you're mm. my density um we'll be talking about microsoft moving to buy minecraft we'll be talking about the NHL 15, huge differences between the uh, new-gen and previous-gen console releases. The Sega Dreamcast turns 15. A plane's going overhead. Teens react to, to NES. Amiibo's coming to the 3DS and Wii U. A guy tra- trades in 203 copies of Night Trap into an Albuquerque game store. PewDiePie disabling, disabling YouTube comments. New 3DSs. CM Punk and your Q&A. <sighs> that was... <sighs> oh, my God. I really struggled through that one. That was as bad as the one time I did the intro to oh, the Jesus. podcast. I think it's a new technology I'm going to blame it on. Oh, yeah. Blame it on uh, that. So, Ian, how you doing? As well, I take a sip of water after that. Well, well, I'm I'm dandy. Uh, I, you know, I feel like I've been saying the same thing about my personal life for the past oh, six months. Because it's really all the same. I'm working a lot. Uh, the wedding, we finally signed the contract on the catering. I made sure the bar had... Uh, Nothing but good beer, so hopefully Frank will be pleased. I don't drink a lot of beer, but I'll have a couple. Uh, That's fine. You can also drink wine, or you can just not drink anything at all. Uh, Hard liquor. It's my goddamn wedding. Well, maybe you can steal some of Vani's rum. Anyway. Uh, Do we have confirmation on the brownie sundae bar? Do we have confirmation? No, no, no. We do have confirmation (sighs) on cupcakes. Okay, that, that's that's acceptable. That's an acceptable, acceptable secondary option, I believe. <laughs> we, we have confirmation on cupcakes. Um, so that's fun. Uh, I get to go get fitted for a tux. Um, <laughs> that's going to be funny. Next Monday. And Vani wants me in a top hat and coattails. So, oh, that'll be precious. You will be precious in that. Well, she's dressing up sort of Victorian, so I think she just wants me to uh, match. So, uh, you know, whatever. I'll just stand there and let two people tell me what I'm wearing, and that's fine. That's um, pretty much what a wedding is. You just show up. The, the, the groom just shows up. Yeah. Tell me the pl- my, my friend AJ said, basically to his wife, no kidding, he said, just tell me the place, tell me the time. And that's it. He had no say over anything else on the wedding. He's just like, I just, I'll just show up. Vani and I are a little too indecisive sometimes for that. But when it comes to the tux, I'm just going to let her and the person who is helping pick what I'm wearing. Because that's just going to be for the best. Um, Do you think I'll get sloppy drunk at your wedding? You've never seen me drunk, have you? Uh, I've seen me buzzed. I've seen once. you drink like half a beer. I drank a full beer in front of you. Uh, one full, yes. We, we two drank weeks, a, two, two, two podcasts ago, I chugged yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, drank, we drank a beer. Last week, you kind of surprised me with my own Corona. I only drank half. Yep. But um, how about the, how about us on iTunes? We cracked the top ten last week for gaming podcasts. That was pretty cool. That was. Uh, it was wow. neat just to see us up there next to all of like the, um, the, like the corporate casts. Yeah, IGN, Nerdist, NPR, 
Giant Bomb. Yeah. I mean, these are huge websites run by huge uh, companies. Yeah. And there's us uh, with our shitty graphic I threw together way back from the Little Industry Podcast. And, I mean, we didn't hold on to it probably maybe because we're bi-weekly. Yeah. Most of those are at least once a week, if not more. Right. And so, so we kind of, I guess, are killing our, our, our amount of, of listen, our viewership, well, listenership, um, by doing it where I halved it. But, yeah, so if you're listening to us, even though you're listening to it right now, maybe on iTunes, tell your friends or even if you're on Stitcher, go on iTunes, just click on whatever it is. to. I don't know how they do the ratings. I don't know if it just plays or what. The iTunes t- tries to keep that stuff a secret to their credit. They do. How yeah, they rank everything. They definitely keep it hidden. There's no good way to, as far as I know, to figure out uh, where, how, or like how they get their metrics sure. and what they use to deduce the top podcasts, top songs, top albums. My guess it would probably just be from clicks, but who yeah. knows? Yeah, I, I, and we're not paying anyone off, so I guess we're legit as, as far as that goes. You know, right? Yeah. We also hired, uh, I think we hired, well... Eh, they don't listen to this. Um, we we hired a, a new employee at Luna. Okay. Uh, she's part-time. She'll be starting soon, so that's exciting. We'll have some new hands on deck. And uh, hopefully we'll find a full-time person, but that's proving to be really, really difficult. We have to because I want your ass out to MAGFest next year. Well, so. we've I've already spoken with, with Boss Man about that, and that should <laughs> be Boss Man. The boss. <laughs> if you ever been to Ocean Beach, CA! I'm trying to picture Trig and like, the big Boss Man. <laughs> he, does, he does a side slam <laughs> yeah. to you? <laughs> so, um, MAGFest should happen. And uh, in the mail today, I got a little package of, uh, of fine aromatic pipe tobaccos. Did you really? Uh, yes. F- from a fan? No, no, just from a... I just ordered them from Pennsylvania. Oh. But I'm excited, because they have names like Barry Cobbler, and they actually smell like Barry Cobbler. Oh. Well, I got a package of 26 combat carts and four anticipation carts from a fan. Nice. <laughs> so I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the combat carts. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll give away for a charity during the... Fifth annual NES marathon that's coming up. Whoa, hey, we're doing another one of those. We we are right, Ian. We're, right, yes. we're getting around to planning that. Yep. So it's going to happen two months from now, the weekend of November eighth and ninth. We'll be again raising money for for the second year in a row for the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. We will thrill to Pat's two in the morning nap. Hey, I only slept for like an hour and a half. I was fine. Mm-hmm. It, it got me through the rest of yep. the throwing me to the wolves, leaving me taking grenades in the trenches. What grenades? You're probably playing Goonies two for forty five <laughs> minutes. I think you probably were last year. No, I did take a moment. I, I did take a moment to play something I really wanted to for like ten minutes, but I still tried to keep up with requests. Yeah, so that's going to happen. We appreciate uh, any support that we, we we get. We we raise usually between ten and fifteen thousand a year. Um, we'll be doing an Indiegogo campaign again because it worked well to track. And plus, Indiegogo, I know uh, one of the people that works there, and they do a good job promoting it. And so the good thing about the Indiegogo is that the money goes directly to the 501C. You pick it from a drop-down list. We don't see that cash at all. We don't have to touch it. We don't anyway. We never years, have, we but never, it, it's yeah. easier with Indiegogo. It, yes, it's easier with Indiegogo. I know some people have a problem paying, but they, t- they take credit cards and PayPal. Or just at least credit cards. So if you're hearing this, get your cre- get your uh, credit card in order for November eighth and ninth. And we're going to be deciding upon a format. Uh, last year we did, you know, we're at least twenty five bucks. You got to choose a game. We are probably going to stick with that, but we will go back to the second year and how it was for I believe the third year as well uh, to a smaller extent. Where basically we're going to create a 
a list of maybe every $500 that we raise, we will unlock something that we know people want. I think the way we'd probably do it is is put those games on the list, and those are ones you can't request for. You know, those would be, you know, ones that need to be unlocked in order to be seen. Sure. So so basically in the past, what we did was we did wacky challenges, like if we hit a certain goal, we played Color Dinosaur, or we unlocked... Uh, the music video with me and Breno Floss, which we didn't unlock, but we sh- we showed it. it, it but stuff goes unlocked. Uh, there's usually an AV. <laughs> there's usually an AVGN uh, exclusive short video that's done every year. There's been four of them that's unlocked usually every year, um, and so that's Rue Ru usually shows up and meanders through about two and a half minutes of dialogue. Yes, to, to recommend us to play a game, and it's like <laughs> something he could have done just like anything else, like video game years. Something he should have said in eight seconds takes about twenty five. But we love Rue, kind of. And Rue usually does the announcing for us. He usually is good for he's that. He's a really good announcer. Yes, he's good at that. If he ever stops being a science man, he could totally announce. If he stops being a science man. Yeah. So we got off. So, yes, look, look out for that. We'll be doing the, the true announcement video. The true announcement video? We'll be doing the announcement video for that officially by probably later in the month, early October. We'll, announce, we'll launch the Indiegogo for that as well. And plus, we have a Patreon going on as well if you want to contribute to that it's patreon.com slash pixel sickle your patronage is appreciated ian what's going on with the release of destiny well it it's odd so it it came out and it's been selling incredibly well um it's one of the few games that we got in heck probably even better than grand theft auto 5 this is, is bun- weird this is a bungee game, it's a bungee right? game right so the people who originally created halo and it's kind of like a it's an online first person shooter. We got copies in and they flew off the shelves. I mean, even even the Xbox well, the PS three copies flew, Xbox three sixty not so much. PS four copies disappeared immediately. Xbox One copies definitely left first day. But the thing is is like I was sitting there and I'm looking at it because I'm kind of interested. Uh just casually interested in maybe checking the game out. But man, I hate being in this in between console generation sure. phase. We're, because we're only I, a year out of the new consoles. Right. I don't have a PS4. I don't have an Xbox One. I'll probably end up with a PS4 at some point. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking. Okay, well, I can get it Destiny on PS3. And if someone could confirm to me that the only difference is maybe a graphical drop, because I'm not a graphics whore about these sorts of things, then maybe I'd play it. But, like, I just... I hate when you feel like you might be getting less of a game for the same amount of money. I think it's been more pronounced with this generation than any generation before. Sure. Going from uh, the previous gen to the current gen, where you now have... Uh, usually, it only happens for a year, but this is now like the second year we're getting into where you have games coming to both consoles. And now you see the differences between them, because when you go to uh, the newer gen console, a lot of times you've got to start from scratch with your engine. So that engine you had for the time before, and we'll talk about this later with the NHL series... That engine no longer works on your new system. You can't do what you want to do with all the new technology. Right, especially because the newer systems are more computer-like, and, you know, last generation, they were too, but that was kind of... That was one of the last generations, I think, where we'll see a lot of proprietary hardware, you know, like cell processors and things like that, and the different GPUs on the Xbox. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just Destiny that where, where I look at it and I... I get confused. Um, EA is a bigger uh, offender in this area, and they always have been. Um, with the new NHL that came out, uh, NHL 15. Want to talk about that now? Yeah, just because I, I, I just feel like 
honestly, I, I don't. I haven't played Destiny. I don't have a lot well, to say on it. But, so I'm just trying to talk about the in, the in between generational. Well, differences do we know what the big huge differences are between the, the say the 360 and the Xbox One version? Um, yeah. the, the the it's more the differences between the Xbox and the PS the Xbox and the PS period versions. Okay. The PlayStation versions have added timed exclusive content uh, that the Xbox versions do not have. Um, those are the main differences. As far as I can tell, I haven't read anything that has stated that there are huge differences between the two versions of Destiny. But basically, you're splitting up a game that's supposed to be online into four, from what I from what I know, four separate camps. Because I don't believe you can play... 360 with Xbox One. I don't oh, believe no. you can do PS3 with PS4. They never so you have, that up. That's my biggest problem with it, is well, simply that you have four okay. different... I mean, who are you going to play with? So it's, my understanding of the game is that it's not massively multiplayer online, but you have to play online with the group to go, I guess, do your uh, raids and just to go through the levels and to kill the aliens. That's that's the draw of the game. You're in a group of, I think, of at least three you need to do that. So what you're saying is you're always going to have these four different groups that, that can't interact with each other. The alternative, though, obviously, is then only sell it to one group or another. And obviously, they the problem with this sort of in-between gen of, of, this, of the PS4 and Xbox One is that you don't necessarily need it for a lot of these games yet. And this is another one of those games where you, you could play it on the 360 or PS3 and probably be okay. Right. I mean, what, this game is basically just a, like a kind of halo with RPG elements thrown in where you level up your character and buy and get coins to buy upgraded weapons and stuff. So it's like... Do we need next gen, the next gen, or now current gen? Do we need Xbox One and PS4 for this, these games? Probably not, but we need to start weaning people away from right, the like, last gen. That's like, what they're thinking. Likewise, was it necessary to put them out on PS3 or Xbox 360? Now, obviously, as a, ca- a cash grab, yes. Was it a cash grab if, if a lot of people like you, you have not gone over to the to the newest gen yet. So for you it's not as cash trap. For you, you if you want this game, you want the PS3 version. Yes. What I'm saying is I just I look back at like and, and, and here's the problem with what we're discussing and I full well acknowledge that I don't know everything I should about this game. But when you looked at the transition from something like PS2 to PS3 and you got both games, one version for PS2, one version for PS3. The PS2 version always sucked compared to the PS3 version. It was obvious that the PS3 version was made with that in mind. Okay. Now, I'm curious, was this made with the PS4 in mind or the PS3 in mind? Oh, you're thinking that it's maybe upconverted the graphics, threw textures on it, and just and I, that. And from what I understand, it's pretty impressive looking on a PS4, which means that I feel like the PS3 version is probably just kind of a... Here you go. So you think that they planned it for the, the new gen? Yes, I do think it was planned for the well, next gen. Well, if, if that's the case, then that's that's the way you should be going. But again, if you're in this in-between phase, I'm not personally a fan of early adopting any technology, whether it's new phones, whether it's new capture devices, whether I guess it's new systems, because there's no reason to be an early adopter ever. No. There really isn't. And yeah, I, I agree. I think early adopting is one of the the worst ideas. I early adopt for some. I've early adopted for some systems, and I've been okay with that. But in general, I don't early adopt on anything. Um, maybe Nintendo handhelds. And I forgot where I was going with this. Basically, if someone came up to me and told me that the PS3 version of Destiny was not lacking anything important that the PS4 version had. I might go out and play it. But I'd rather the PS3 version didn't exist. Give me a reason to go buy your new system, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, give me a reason to go buy it instead of just 
Well, would you rather then? Would you rather not have the choice then? Where if, if this only came out on, on PS4, not the PS3, would would you rather have maybe it to force you to buy the system? <laughs> maybe because I'm psychologically just strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I would maybe I would maybe I would maybe prefer to just have them be like, "Here's the definitive version. Go buy the definitive version." Instead of, "Do you want a watered down version to tide you over until the definitive version uh, comes out?" Okay, I disagree. I, I believe having consumers have the most options available is usually, and the that's best. fine. It usually is too. But like, for instance, with WWE 2K15, that's coming out. I really want to play that, but the engine that they're using is so old. I mean, you've seen that game. I mean, the character models are same, freaking laughable. The same engine for the past twelve years. Yeah, right, and they games. will probably update that engine significantly for the next generation versions, but I guarantee you they will just take WWE 2K14 and slap a new roster into it for the PS3. I, I, I want that kind of imp- impetus to just go buy the, the PS4. Maybe I am giving myself that reason to go go plunk down money for You, long. sir, are a dumb consumer, and you're the type of person that Microsoft and Sony love. No, because I haven't <laughs> bought their systems yet. I haven't adopted but them. You want, I- but you want a reason to do that versus... Using the 360 or PS3, which is still, oh. which is still gonna be good for next five, even three, four years, will be fine. Even if, even if Destiny was only on PS4 right now, I wouldn't go buy one because the there's whole, not enough games. The whole point is when you when you turn on your PS3, do you go, wow, this is old? I don't want to play this anymore. No, of course no. not. It's adequate. It's fine. I guess I'm just trying to look at it from a marketing standpoint and be like, give them the reason to go buy the new system. Then again. They will probably make tons of money selling a PS3 and an Xbox 360 version, so it doesn't matter. On to something that's more important, though, would be something like NHL 15. Where the difference is where they are trying to, I guess, force people to go to a new version, or maybe it's backfiring and people are going to stay with the previous, well, because they're starting, uh, EA starting with a new, apparently a new engine entirely for NHL 15. They're starting from, for, for, from scratch. And, and the problem with that is, is that tons of features that people have been, have been in the games for the past probably seven years, are now gone. Um, let's talk. Let's let's go back maybe 15 years, because there's no season mode. There's no season mode. No offline season mode. I need to be online for it. Well, what the fuck? There's no... <laughs> yes, that, that excuses it, Patrick. There's no here's, season mode. Here's a, a list of the stuff. Now, I'm not sure... There's probably differences in between, I guess, the EA Pass version and the one that's coming out on the disc... Or no? No, there's no season. There's everything that is because missing is truly missing. And here's the thing: you can buy the version for the 360 or the PS3, but all they did is exactly what I was. I'm imagining they're going to do with the roster upgrade. They just took last year's game and roster upgraded it. Now I think they put like a little coat of paint on it, but it's the same engine. Well, here are some of the things that off of Reddit that I saw this first a week ago. This is what's mi- missing. No EASHL. I actually don't know what that means. No OTP. No NHL 94 mode. I guess people wanted that because... That's fun. It would be so easy for them to just put the roster in the game and, yeah. and put that on. That would have taken them like 20 minutes to mm-hmm. do that. No offline season modes. No tournaments in HUT. Uh, you cannot play a friend in HUT. No Winter Classic. Ooh, that, that's cool. Winter Classic's helping to bring popularity back to hockey. Yeah. Which is where they play outside around New Year's every year. Uh-huh. No GM Connected mode. No Shootout. No Live the Life mode, which you, I guess you take a player and you build around that player. And from what I know about a lot of sports gamers, um, that's become like the main mode, at least a lot of my friends play, where they create a player. You and- create the player, you buy your own house and... Car and stuff. Well, no, you you, endorsements, you, right? you 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 upgrade your stats, you train, and it's it, it's it's a sports game RPG is basically yes. what it is. I think I started with the NBA games. Um, it, it was popularized with the NBA 2K series. Sure. Yeah. So uh, no live the life, no be a CHL pro, no be an NHL pro. 
Being drafted now is just a random assignment to a team. There's no way to influence when you are drafted. You cannot draft players in be a GMO, which is really strange. No fantasy draft in be a GMO. No be a legend mode. No season mode. So it didn't say no season mode. No tournament mode. No playoff mode. No battle for the cup. No, no creation mode. No edit team. No edit player, which they had going back to NHL 95 on the computer. Right. They had that. No customized AI. No build your AI. No create a play. No custom music. No swimming between shifts and be a pro mode. Uh, no custom cameras. So, uh, there's more. There's a lot more. The whole point is this. Is that if you're playing these games for the past three, four years in the PS3 360 or the computer, this stuff is like, this is why you buy this game. These are awesome options to have. Right. This is not just, you don't buy sports games anymore just for exhibition versus and even season mode. You want all this extra customizable stuff. Now, if you want to get the latest version, which they, they added stuff like, you know, the, the, the physics are better and all oh, the, you can, the shirt gets pulled on and pulled out and the moves are more, that's fine for that. But if you're okay with having a shinier, maybe it's a better gameplay experience, but having all the options that you love for years out of your version, that's what you have to get with the current gen systems, unfortunately. And, and the issue is, is, unlike Destiny, where we were talking, we don't really know how big the differences are. They could be minor, they could be negligible. Um, you're kind of screwed both ways with something like NHL 15. Either you either you pay $60 for and play a completely retreaded version of NHL 14, or you play NHL 15 and you get maybe a good game of hockey in the rink, but you get none of the trimmings. And honestly, when I, I do buy sports games once in a while, usually soccer, um, sometimes baseball, it's, it's, it's getting into the career modes, the GM modes, that sort of stuff, getting into the stats and the drafting. That's the stuff that I like. Sure. And if you have none of that, I lose interest. To EA's credit, they did come out and acknowledge that They're like, hey, yeah, this is a new version of the game. They said if you want all the old versions of stuff, you have to buy the previous gen. But if you buy the new one, we're going to be adding stuff back in. And they will. They will update. They will add some of this stuff back in during the year. How much of it they add back in, I have no idea. But they're basically admitting that, yes, we have to start from scratch. If you want to give EA credit, then they can charge half price for half a game. Well, that's, that's, my, that's what I would say. That's the first thing I would say. If you're going to come out with this or, God forbid, I, sw- I swear to God, if they do a thing where this becomes DLC for shit that's been available forever, that would be utter bullshit. A game like this, they should be charging $30 for at most with the promise that we are going to be working as much of this back in during the year. And then for NHL 16, we're going to have hopefully most, most of this back in, in the future. But yeah, they should not be charging full price. This isn't for new this. for EA either. Um, they uh, <clears throat> they did it on the Wii. I remember it was like a big deal. It was like uh, it was like FIFA 10 or FIFA, I think it was FIFA 10 to 11. It was the exact same game. No new paint, same exact menu screen, same exact music. All they did was update rosters. And then on like the Vita, they've done the same thing. The three, the three FIFA games they released in the ro- in a row were all the exact same games with roster updates, full price games. But again, that's that's EA's sort of modus operandi, though. Is always that it's always a joke that yeah, once I get to where hell, do the games play well? Of course, they play incredibly well. But once no, they, it, not not always. But once you get to a certain point, there's only so much more you add in. They're pretty much stuck with what they have. Maybe they add a couple new features each year and update the rosters and the graphics. Sure, but if you're not even going to give me, if you're not even going to give me a new look or try to give me a new experience or anything like that, I just, I don't know. That's it, that's lazy. And like I said, it just goes back to why am I paying you sixty dollars for code that you wrote three years ago? 
or paying sixty dollars for code that you wrote six months ago, but it has nothing from the past in it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Same. same so thing. they're going to have a patching plan. I'm trying to bring it up now for what it is, but they obviously they are going to put some of this back in. They have to, or else no one's going to buy it. They're, the bad press they're getting from this is pretty bad. Post-launch content plans. This is from eaxports.com. Okay, thanks for being a part of this journey as we head into the launch of NHL 15 on the Xbox One and PS4, the start of a new generation of hockey video games. How is it a new generation? (laughs) We're incredibly proud of the next generation gameplay and presentation experience we've created for all our fans, which means it'll it'll look better, there'll be more realistic physics, but you have no actual reason to play it. Uh, for the next generational hockey, for the next generation hockey player and true hockey physics, to the, to the, to, were people complaining before about the physics? No. To the unrivaled in arena experience and a revolution in broadcast presentation, blah blah. blah. I'm, I'm proud to focus on new gameplay again, engine, blah blah blah. Here's the fucked How- up thing. However, we're not done. We're committed to keeping the experience fresh throughout the hockey season. <laughs> Great. So, <laughs> you, while you fall on the season, you'll you won't have the tools available from the past. We're committed to keeping the experience fresh throughout the hockey season. In addition to the roster ratings updates you've always received, the list below contains the free content updates for the Xbox One and PS4 that we're working on and our expected window on when you'll see them in the game. So they're going to add back in custom offline tournament brackets up to 16 teams, be a pro, coach feedback, three stars of the game. They didn't. Have, they couldn't include the three stars of the game? That goes back to NHL 93, doesn't it? How hard is it to put in... The list of the three guys that performed the best in the game. That's a, that's ridiculous. New technology, Pat. That's ridiculous. A lot of facets. Write the code. Did the goalie perform well? Did a guy have two goals or two assists? Can you, can you keep going? Because brackets don't excite me. Is there a season mode that they are adding? Change layout and navigation in, in the HUT scores. New animations for player items. What? October. In October, you'll get online team play in October. Oh, good. That's I, How about offline? You'll get GM draft in October. <laughs> For the first time, in, they're giving you back maybe not even 10% of what was... That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I don't like going on. They couldn't include the three fucking stars of the game? No. They couldn't include that. No. You're telling me on the new engine they couldn't include that? It's too hard, man. Okay, that's fucking bullshit. I don't usually like, but this is this is a travesty. They can they should not be charging more than let's, $19.99 for this. Let's not overuse the word travesty. But it is... That's close to a travesty. It's horseshit. For a franchise as heralded as the NHL franchise... It's it's a pile of fibrous horseshit. All right. Well, Full of hay. I don't like being, being that, well, it's EA, they're, they're, they're evil. But here, this is pretty pretty awful. It is. Okay. On a brighter note, we have a birthday to celebrate. It was a month ago. Oh, the Dreamcast! Yay! What are you referencing? <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, the Sega Dreamcast just turned uh, 15 years old on September 9th, 1999. It seems like it was just yesterday. That that's cliche, but I remember, you know, going over my my roommate's uh, house during summer, and uh, actually it was during during the break, I guess. Before, yeah, it was during the break, I guess. That'd be like going back in October break and playing the game, uh, playing the Dreamcast on on like the downstairs in the basement on a little like 14 inch TV and playing Soul Calibur and being amazed that now we are finally at the place where a console is exactly like the arcade. I have some fun stories about the Dreamcast. Oh, get this, people who think I hate everything. I love the fucking Dreamcast. 
Um, <clears throat> they won't watch that video. They'll come on the next one. Yeah, they'll come on the next one, you know, where I slip up on something and then they'll nail me to a fucking cross. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I love the Dreamcast. Um, it is one of the, if not the only system that I bought on launch day. Oh, really? And it was funny because I had actually got my wisdom teeth pulled that day. <laughs> so my mom went and picked up the Dreamcast for Aww. me. It was my, it was my senior year of high school, ninety-nine. And uh, she got me Sonic the Hedgehog because I'd pre-ordered that as Sonic well. Sonic Adventure? Sonic Adventure. That was a launch title? It was. And uh, I got one of the defective copies. So my mom, being very, very nice, went back to uh, EB and they said, well, we think all of our shipment is defective, but they got another one, and it worked. I don't remember that. So the, they had a whole shipment that was defective? There was a lot of... Def- and it, I still check for them every once in a while. Most have been disposed, I think, by collectors and players at this time. They've been but, thrown out. But there, were a, uh, there, were a, there was a run of defective copies. So she got it for me, and uh, I sat there... See, I was actually, to take it back a little bit further, I was so excited for the Dreamcast. I don't know if you remember this. Did you have Hollywood videos... Yes, that was a chain. That, yeah. that chain was still around until about six, seven years right. ago. I actually rented the Dreamcast from Hollywood Video yeah. the, the month before it came out. With the rental they, case? When they did the promotion. And, uh, you know, tried to play through as much of Sonic's storyline without a, a memory card. You know, just pausing and turning off the TV for the two days that I had it. So anyways, we get, I get the Dreamcast, and I am just high as a kite on Vicodin because I've just had my teeth pulled. And I spent the entire weekend beating the game. I beat Sonic Adventure 100% in one weekend just in this doped out haze and I loved it. And I I would go into the stores every week on Wednesdays back when games were released on Wednesdays and I was picking up Dreamcast titles almost every week. The thing is, is people a lot of people remember the Dreamcast as a flash in the pan and it was, but of its 200 and I think it's 52 game library, that's off the top of my head. Um, so many of those games were worth playing. You know, even the mediocre ones were, were above average. They had, they had decent third party support. Yeah. Um, you know, you had the major. Well, the reason I call it the last retro game system, it's the last arcade system. It's the last system where the games were featured in the arcade. So, and like, I, I, like, like Marvel versus Capcom, sure. uh, Soul Calibur. Uh, Crazy Taxi, which were literally just like a Dreamcast system in the arcade. I remember people arguing you on that the one time we said that, but I think what people need to realize is when Pat and I say that, we mean direct ports directly from the arcade, hot and fresh, to the system. We're not talking about a port of a console port. No. Yes, you can get Crazy Taxi on a PS2, I understand, but like... We're talking... They straight were out featured. Of, boom. Yeah. We're talking, you know, we're talking that when games were on the NES... They took a year or two to come over. Like Cabal would take a year or two over to come to the NES. This was our, the last time where it was directly arcade to the system, right there, hot and ready, like you said. Yeah, hot and ready, hot and ready, hot and ready. But one of my favorite memories of that was um, <clears throat> I'm not a fan of really watching football. I did for a period of time, but I, I do like football video games. I like the strategy of them, and I was in love with the NHL or the NFL 2K series, heralded series. Still, still fondly remembered. I, I played 2K5 up until 2009, and, and, and gave EA a run for its money. Yeah. Very back and forth. That's why EA bought the rights. They couldn't handle the pressure from uh, to the, from the a, NFL. They yeah. bought the exclusive rights because 2K was yeah kicking ass. I remember sitting in the upstairs of my parents' house, and my friend Mike and I were playing uh, NFL 2K1. And, my, and it was like May or something like that. My dad walks upstairs 
walks by the TV and just gives it a puzzled look because, like, we had the controllers down or whatever, and it was, like, just, you know, panning around the field with scoreboards. And he walks back out, and he looks at the TV again, and he looks at my friend and I and goes, what the fuck is football doing on in May? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, woo, we finally reached that, we point. Reached that point. We've reached that point where, like, a quick glance can fool you, you know. So fall you know? 99, that's what it took. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, again, when, when I don't think people, I, I, I'm an old man now, but when you're at the point where you're used to playing through the NES era, where the arcade games are so much better than the NES still, Super Nintendo era, they're still better to a good degree. Genesis, they're better. Now you get to the point where, the arcade game was the console. It right. was. We're not talking close port. We're talking port. We're talking you when you get the Soul Calibur disc and put it in. That's the arcade game. That's because Soul Calibur ran on Naomi, which was an arcade Dreamcast. Like, but that's amazing to think about. Yeah, when you first see that, people were really excited about the Dreamcast because of that. Right, and and um, the thing of it is, is they, they weren't. They weren't just the same; they were better. They added they added more options to them. You know, you could you could sit there and play them. And I don't want to spin off into a, a, another topic completely, but things like the Dreamcast that in the PlayStation that more or less or completely replicated the arcade experience are, is largely what killed arcades. You yes. no longer had to go to the arcade to get the real well, deal. Arcades were dying anyway by the late nineties. Yeah, but, they were dying anyway. But but th- this was it though. This is when the consoles finally caught up. Yep. It took, it took twenty years for consoles to catch up to the arcade experience. Because yeah. even on uh, Killer Instinct uh, in the arcade, it was not even close on the sixty-four. Uh, it 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 was it was in the area, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't exactly the same. Nope. The cart could not hold the information of that. They had to put like a whole freaking like drive in the arcade to hold all the information. Yeah. So I mean, the legacy, of the Dreamcast. It only it was only for like two years for they stopped production. Was it even two years? Well, in the U.S., I mean, there were officially released games for quite some time in Japan, but I mean, but here the, it was two years. U.S. I think we got two solid years. That's it. We got NFL 2K, 2K1, and 2K2. So that means sometime two, in two, two years, late 2001, they, it was they gone, axed it. Yeah, and so you had the good sports titles. Virtua Tennis is amazing. Oh, that, I, I would. We, still no one brings there. up. No one brings up Virtua Tennis as could be the, one of the best tennis games ever well i really like uh it's a cheap game now if anyone likes tennis games go buy sega all-stars tennis will cost you like three bucks I play that. it it runs on a modified virtua tennis engine but with sega characters huh. and it's a shitload of fun it's on the system it's huh. no it's not on dreamcast it's on um you can get it on 360 ps3 how about uh i believe shenmue was a launch title or close to it fuck was it it, was, bring- very, it was very very close to it um, you remember the hype around Shenmue? Because I, I do. I do. I remember reading through magazines before the game came out, and like the pictures of like the hand opening the drawer and like picking up a cassette tape, and they would focus on the cassette tape, and like the the subtitles would be like, "Compare this to a cassette tape in your house." Back when houses had cassette tapes, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Shenmue wasn't a lost title. Lost title. Yeah, but, it, but it, yeah. the cool thing about Shenmue was that it was sort of heralded as this open world game even though it wasn't truly open world it was more expansive than what we had on consoles before mm-hmm. being able to walk around town talk to all the npcs do these mini games and you know off off you know what i mean go off on your own for at least a little bit even though you had to go back to the main story that wasn't really heard of before on a console no it really wasn't i'm trying to think of the n64 something like that and i can't think of anything that really had that i can't really think of anything 64 
PlayStation at the point that, that they really didn't have anything like that to either. Grand Theft Auto One, but I mean that was more of an arcade game, and then that was overhead. Yeah, and sixty four, you had like Body Harvest, but I don't even think that was out yet. I mean, yeah, I mean Shenmue was, and that's different too. Shenmue really was kind of the first for what for for foray. I can't get it out of my foray mind. into the open world. A little bit at sandbox. least on consoles. At least yeah. on consoles, uh, and um, it was. Heralded as sort of like a killer app for the Dreamcast, and it was well, Soul Calibur was too. Soul Calibur was as well. I think Soul Calibur was actually the killer app. That was the game that actually got I think more people to buy it than anything. Here are the launch titles: uh, Arrow Wings, Air Force Delta, Blue Stinger. That was a shooting game. It was a uh, like a uh, Resident Evil ripoff. Um, Cart Flag to Flag. Don't remember that one. Expendable House of the Dead Two. Yeah. we always forget that those are on the Dreamcast, and those are exactly the arcade. Hydro Thunder. That was a great version of it, too. Monaco Grand Pete. Mortal Kombat Gold, which is a pretty good version. It isn't? No, I thought it was. It was. Buggy as fuck. Oh, I don't know then. I thought because it had all the characters in it. NFL 2K, NFL Blitz 2000. You were thinking arcade. Trilogy. That's probably what it was. Uh, Pen Pen Triicelon? Tri- I, I love Pen Pen. Okay, so here's Pen Pen Triicelon, right? People hate this game, but it's fantastic. You are penguins or walruses or other creatures. It is a racing game, okay? And the Triicelon is. Uh, Belly gliding, uh, swimming, and I think just basic waddling, if I'm not mistaken. And each course has three of these sections. <laughs> and it was like their attempt at like a little like crazy Mario Kart like racing game. Was Choo Choo Rocket a launch title, or was that shortly after? It's not on here. Shortly after, though. Um, that was a great one. The, of course, the very impressive Power Stone. Oh, yeah. That was, again, another one in the arcade that you could play in the arcade. And it was like, wow, you can run around a room and fight and... That was just pick up things and throw them, and that was unheard of at the time. I always like Power Stone 1 better than 2. 2 added 4 players, though. Ready to Rumble Boxing, Sonic Adventure, Soul Calibur, which again, that was amazing to see when it came out. Uh, TNN Motorsports Hardcore Heat. Moved uh, a lot of units. Tokyo Extreme Racer and Trick Style. Tokyo Extreme Racer really should get some credit for being unique, but I'm not going to go off on my love affair with that game. That's a good. That's an impressive launch t- uh, launch list, though. That's about twenty plus games. That a little bit for everyone in there. One of the biggest and one of the better launch launches in in in, in console because history, it came out a, a year before in Japan. Yeah, and Sega. We know Sega really dropped the ball in the mid nineties. Um, they dropped the ball constantly. They can't market. And plus, I mean, they should have came out if they came out with this a year before. I mean, people people forget that this was only. What five six six months before the PS2 came out? PS2 came out in spring of 2000. No, it was fall. Well, spring of 2000 Japan because I ended up getting one like that. I thought it was. I'm pretty sure it was fall October, October of 01. You're right. Okay, it was October. Okay, so they still had they had a year head start. Mm. Imagine if they had two years head start. Things would have been a lot different. They would have been more integrated. Uh, they would have probably. Got a better head. Not that no one bought, but the Dreamcast sold a lot. And I'm just using but. secondhand info here, but I've heard that the graphic capabilities of the Dreamcast, if it were allowed to have matured to its full would have potential, been PS2, would have been very similar to PS2. So, again, it's sort of the same thing Atari did. They put out consoles too late when they shouldn't have. I mean, we always talk about the Saturn. The Saturn should have been earlier instead of the Sega CD. And they should have skipped, skipped, skipped the Saturn if it came to that point and just pushed the Dreamcast. Right. Because yeah, the, the Saturn was a colossal failure in the U.S. But the Dreamcast did okay, but it was too little too late for Sega in hardware. And that's why I said, screw this, we can't survive with hardware. We'll just become a software company. But no, I love the Dreamcast. I don't love the controller that much, 
I think the controller is okay. Some people love the controller. I think it's okay. The VMU was revolutionary at the time, too. I like the controller um, for pretty much everything except for what the Dreamcast is really known for these days, which is fighting games. Mm -hmm. Um, That D-pad sits way too high. And I find pulling off any sort of moves with the D-pad on that to be miserable. Luckily, it also had an amazing uh, arcade stick, the green one, that had the little hole for the VMU. I don't know if you've ever seen the I don't know if I've seen that. You've never seen the Dreamcast arcade stick. Do I have one? I don't know. I have to ch- Fuck off. <laughs> I don't know. Really? I don't I don't play the Dreamcast that often. You're a wiener. <laughs> but um obviously people still make games for the Dreamcast. Every year there's still releases. Um Homebrews. NG yeah. Dev Project usually does all their uh usually does all of their shooters as Neo Geo titles, Neo C D titles, and um Dreamcast titles. So in terms of new games being release in quality new games. Yeah, I mean, these it's are homebrew, but they're still... But they're impressive. But they're, they're, they're not, like, commercial quality. I mean, I'm not talking trash about the NES homebrews, but most are not commercial quality of what you would have saw in the system right. back then. As long as you like shooters, you can still get them on the Dreamcast, and, and, and they're nice. So there you have it. Dreamcast, happy birthday. Um, you're still loved a lot in terms of, like, the... It, we talk about the TurboGrafx how people have a cult following. This is beyond a cult following for the Dreamcast. This is like people love people this adore system. It. I've had, and especially, I don't think it has anything to do with the birthday. I think it's just how I always talk about there's a weird video game hive mind and people just get collective itches for things. But the past three, four weeks, I've had a lot of requests for Dreamcasts and we've been sold out of them at both stores. But man, people almost more than like, not more than NES, but with more passion when they see a Dreamcast and they're a Dreamcast fan, they just lose their shit. And like when I start talking to them about it, they just want to talk about the Dreamcast and all yeah. the games they played. Like they love it. They have such fond memories of that system. Well, let's talk about the fact that people think that piracy was the death knell of the Dreamcast. It wasn't. Because guess what would have happened? It didn't help. It didn't help. But if I knew, uh, if I knew I can get a, a console and burn all the games, I'll go out and buy that console. How is that hurting Sega? That might hurt Sega's first well, party Se- sales. Sega's not getting any uh, royalties, but still, you're still you'd be selling consoles still, and that was their problem. They weren't selling enough consoles. Well, yeah, so, I, I think it's a combination of both. Sega- here's the thing: back in 2000, CD burns were not cheap. They were not cheap until probably 2001, 2002. Um, so while you still can get one for a few hundred dollars, I don't see, at least I don't personally see a lot of people doing that. I yeah, just don't. I I do. Um, and I know when I had a Dreamcast and it was current, I knew people who had stacks. And if you didn't have a CD burner, there were, I'm not even kidding, hair salons downtown, uh, record shops downtown that would keep binders of burned PlayStation and Dreamcast games I've seen play, I've seen more PlayStation burn discs than I have Dreamcast. That's just me. Uh, I've seen a lot more. I've seen... In, in in public for sale, like hidden behind counters, I've seen more PlayStation. But if I go over to someone's house and they have a Dreamcast, what do I usually see? <laughs> just a stack. Then or now? Now and then. I'll say now you can because you can just download all the ISOs yourself, and who wouldn't? Uh, maybe point. it was just the people I was hanging out with. Were I was say you might be more the, the tech, the tech sa- you know, savvy yeah. crowd. I'm not saying people weren't doing it, but to blame that the reason that the, the Dreamcast failed? No, Sega didn't market it well. They didn't market it from the get-go. If you look at the Sega commercials today, it's like, what the hell is this? It's, it's like it's like, it's like like anything else. If you don't market yourself as a cool system and try to be... And that was all Sega's edgy 90s commercials were crap. After the first few years, like, why do we, why do we care about this? Yeah, you're edgy. Who cares? Sell the games. Sell the system. Right. They failed to do that. So, well, we still love you, Sega. 
We still love the Dreamcast. So, are we really going to fucking talk about this? Teens react to NES. Pat and Ian react to teens react to the, uh, can I to the pl- NES. Can I just state for the record that I'm, I'm done watching these videos? I feel stupider every time I watch them. <laughs> no, it's just... <sighs> Here's it's, the thing. Dude, it's eight minutes long, and it's it, it's the same. It's a group of teens all saying one of two things. I don't get it, or I get this. And it's like, okay, cool, but I don't know why we need to discuss the reaction. I don't know why we need to discuss <laughs> our reaction to their reaction on the fucking podcast. I just think it's, we, we talked about the Game Boy one, and it was right, fine. And it was cute, and we needed to do it once, because the kids were tiny, and they were but, like, Game Boy! But it's not like they're going to do, like, kids rea- teens react to the Sega Master System. This is going to be it. This will be the last one. Yeah, uh, here's my issue, though. I And I feel like... I almost feel like one of those guys watching wrestling when you realize, oh my god, it's fake. <laughs> because I'm sorry. It's still real to me. I'm sorry. When an 18-year-old goes, Legend of Zelda? <laughs> no, fuck you, because they are still making those today. Same with games well, like Mega Man. And I know not everyone's into games as much as we are, but I refuse to believe that you are just completely oblivious to this shit. Maybe they are. Nintendo doesn't have the market saturation it did for when we were teenagers. Yeah, know? but I'm still saying the game the game titles should ring a bell. I mean... I, you might be giving kids too much credit. I mean, nowadays a lot of kids grow up playing tablets and playing iPhones, so if they're if you're a 14-year-old, you might not have even had a console before, and that's where we're at now. Right, There's a mean, chance. The mix of the kids was, I think, anywhere from 14 to 19, I think, was one of them. And, but that's my problem. It was, I think it was one of the 19-year-old kids who was like, I don't know what this is. And it's like, bullshit, you don't know what well, this is. I like that the Fine Brothers screwed up by saying Dragon Warrior 3 was one of the most common games in the system. Said Dragon no Warrior. No. I was like, have you done your research at all, Fine Brothers? Another reason why I'm wondering why we're discussing this. Well, they can't even do okay. their fucking research. It's interesting, though, that this is why to me, is that even the kids that at first said, what is this? They still picked up and liked playing Super Mario Bros. And it was fun to them. Yeah. And that, to me, shows how important we just did it in video game years. And I, I hate the people that would go like, oh, Super Mario Bros. wasn't that important of a game. It was really important. important. Well, I, I did like that. I liked the fact that even the kids who were either too cool for it and were maybe faking they didn't know these things yes. or, or um, just legitimately didn't know, you could put a controller in their hand and the one girl said it. I like this. There's only two buttons. It's simple. I can You play. can figure it out. And everyone immediately understood the appeal of Super Mario Brothers. Sure. So just for that fact alone, for the fact that it 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 further reinforced Super Mario Brothers as an extremely important game, good, I'm glad. But I just have a tough time thinking that with how well, popular retro game has get retro gaming has gotten it's gotten um, popular, but with teenagers, not as it's not as saturated as you thought. I think I know because you're working in a game. I'm, store. I'm, I'm wor- yes, my my angle is coming from a bias. This is what's interesting. One of the questions asked because of course they had to go over blowing in the cartridge to make it work. They had to. We all did it. We didn't know. They lied to us. I I personally yeah, talked. But, to, stop perpetuating it. I I I asked Howard Phillips personally. I said, "Why didn't you tell people?" To use rubbing alcohol and Q-tips, you would have saved us all hours a day. And he said to me, they were afraid kids would douse themselves and set themselves on fire. That was why they, for better or worse, straight from 
the god Howard Phillips, he told me that's why they didn't want to promote that. Probably also because they wanted to promote their cleaning, cleaning card division, yes. which again, those didn't come didn't start coming out until around 89, 88, 89, but still, that was the reason. But it was funny that one of the questions I asked them was, can you imagine a console getting this popular where you have all these issues playing the games on? I'm like, no, I can't imagine that at all. <laughs> Did you just forget the Xbox 360 that had a failure rate of like 40%? Right. Where... You just didn't have problems getting the games that worked. You couldn't turn the fucking console on to play them. Right. You know? With the Nintendo, you got the game to work. With the Xbox 360, you binned it and bought another. You yeah, know, with your 360, over. the console blew up in your house. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny. And the 360 was popular and led to more sales. You know, but um, it, whatever. It's it's a cute video. I, I, I adore it. I adore the video. The same way the GameCube. The kids love playing the GameCube. The little girl playing Tetris. Man, this is fun. Even the Game Boy. Yeah, the Game Boy one. I great. liked. I liked that one. I just don't think. I mean, I feel. I feel like we did the exact same thing. We just upped it a generation. So is this just search fodder for us on YouTube? We're this. This is just clickbait. <laughs> this is you, clickbait. you have resorted to fucking <laughs> clickbait. All right. Anyways, Amiibos are coming. Pre-orders are now accepted on certain sites, which means that I need to get my Princess Peach pre-order in ASAP. So these are going to be for both the 3DS and the Wii U? Um, the Wii U, definitely. The 3DS, if you get the new 3DS, which we will talk about later. So these are going to, these are going to be little figures. They're going to cost that, like, like 13 bucks each. That's, well, that's neither here nor there. To me, that's too much money. But you're going to put these on your, your pad and unlock stuff in like Smash Brothers and on Mario Kart, and I guess other games that will have functionality available to unlock, I guess, extra bonuses and well, g- gameplay no, elements. So, so some of the things that they've actually said flat out that I think are interesting. Basically, from what I can gather for Smash Brothers, and I'm assuming they'll do something similar to um, uh, Mario Kart. And these are games that people take fairly seriously competitively. Is You can train your amiibo, basically. If you attach your amiibo, it the game will track how you play, say Smash Brothers, okay. or how you play Mario Kart, and then you can race against your amiibo's ghost or not race. Well, you can fight against your amiibo basically in oh. Smash Brothers. So you can, and, and what I'm guess I'm assuming is you'll be able to race against your amiibo in in Mario Kart. So for people who want to play on a competitive level, I think that these could potentially be really interesting tools. I'm just getting it because Peach is hot, and I think the 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 the, the fucking um, figurine is nice looking. Peach is hot, so you want to look at her legs on the yeah, figurine. She's got nice legs on the figurine. Okay, she has nice stems on that dame. Games. Um, I think this is interesting because when people looked at the gamepad at first, they're like, "This is just a gimmick," even though they didn't realize that tablet was the next iteration of gaming. Nintendo saw that. Yeah. Um, you can argue about it being a gimmick. The gamepad's fine. Hell, when I play Mario Kart now, I play in the gamepad versus the TV. When we have people over... So, Vani will occasionally have her brother over, right? Mm-hmm. And he'll bring his Wii U over and hook up so that we can have four people on screen in a room and then we can have two people on screen in a room then he can join in on a room. Uh, in the same room yeah. with the, the, the TV. Yeah. And everyone just looks at... Well... Well, two people will look at the TV, yeah, yeah. two people look at the past. But, but yeah, but like the other night it was Govi on his Wii U and Vani on our Wii U. And spectators are watching the TV, but the two racers are just watching That's the awesome. gamepad the whole time. And I, I guarantee you, we'll give it a couple of years that they'll make a gamepad available. You'll be able to use more than one gamepad. I, I, I would think that would be a no-brainer to do that. But here's the point. Nintendo thought of that, and they also envisioned this. 
Yeah. Coming. With the whole Skylander thing, they're like, why don't we do that? Mm -hmm. Since that's a huge freaking market to get into. We're selling figurines and making a bank off it, and people like the functionality, and they're little toys too. So it's like, so this is brilliant because this could help close that sort of uh, profit margin gap for them that they've been losing money that... This, this is going to print money. Until we have more shelving, we're starting to get cluttered with figurines. But I like figurines, and I like Nintendo characters. So for me, this is a good way for them to get money out of my pocket. I always liked the idea of Skylanders, but I have no investment in that universe. Sure. I have no investment in the character designs. But, like, I do want a, a Peach. I do want a Kirby. You know, there's probably a couple more that I would pick up. And um, i definitely pick up a Toad. But, I don't know. A, a I mean, Toad or Toadstool? A uh, Toad. But I think it'll be interesting. Hello, I smoke a pack a day. But uh, <laughs> but I think it's cool because um, this is Nintendo foreseeing this a couple years in advance, probably at least, and be like, okay, we can we can do this, and this will draw the kids in probably too to some extent. Well, they did a test run with Pokemon Rumble um, U, and it didn't work. But I think that was more because the game wasn't very good, and they kind of looked at what they did, and they thought about a better way to do it, and now they have the amiibos. So, do you see this? Well, actually, I was going to say, I don't know. Like, the motion control was all copied by Kinect and the PS Move. Is this something that PS4 and Xbox One could even attempt to copy? Uh, only after making fun of it viciously for six months and then doing exactly <laughs> the same, same thing. thing. They'll come out with their yeah. own tablet with a little... little. Uh... The Wii U controller is nothing more than a lollipop for children. <laughs> I'm Jack Tretton. <laughs> Introducing the PlayStation Move. They'll have it. They'll have an actor slash comedian be their fake president for a few years, make fun of it, <laughs> then turn around and sue the guy for appearing on a commercial with the, with the Wii U. Is that, is that they're going to do again? Yeah. Oh, so idiots. I mean, I'm I'm I, initially when they announced them, I wasn't into it, but now I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get a couple of these, absolutely. So I wouldn't mind. Um, have I been introducing all the topics? Let's talk about Mojang. Okay. All right. And Minecraft, this is this is just like what today, the past day, coming out about. There's a deal b- being made or attempted to buy Minecraft, Microsoft. This is like this is some bold shit. This is like a burrito shit. <laughs> All right, this you is, not like this? Th- no, no. I mean, I mean, like this is this is for real. This is I, like I, I don't like it, but I mean, I will admit that it's a very bold move on Microsoft's part. Um, Microsoft is kind of struggling and they need something killer and minecraft has captured the minds of i mean every kid in america and a good freaking percentage of adults and i think the idea of minecraft is fascinating i i even own it i've just never played it because i feel i I'm, I'm afraid that once i start i'll never stop if they got that as an exclusive that would be big for them Problem is, is I mean, we're talk- they're talking a $2 billion offer. That's the problem. Minecraft, unless you're going to come out with a Minecraft 2 and push it like Minecraft 1, Minecraft already has a saturated fan base. Right. I know there's more and more people playing it, and it's available on, on the systems and the computer. A lot of people play it. If you spend $2 billion plus, how are you making that money back? Well, and Minecraft is so moddable, and there's so much you can do with base Minecraft through mods and patches... That who's to say someone couldn't take a look at Minecraft 2 and go, yeah, we can replicate all that and render Microsoft's purchase null. Sure. It says, uh, this year, Mojang, a privately held Swedish company that makes Minecraft, told the Wall Street Journal that its revenue was up about $360 million last year, up 38% from the year before. 
Now, Microsoft obviously sees that and like, all right, if we're going to making be making three hundred, four hundred million a year, that's great. We'll pay, we'll pay, our, we'll pay back the two billion in the deal and make profit in like eight years. There's no guarantee that profit trend will continue, though. Right. There's a saturation point, which we'll get into in a bit with the 3ds. That just because and this is what all companies suffer from. All companies think they're going to grow at the same rate every year, which right. is absolutely insane. Yeah. You can have the same profit margin every year, but there's no guarantee that you're going to increase the same revenue percentage every year because you're going to, have to get to a point where you run out of customers to get on your side to get your product. And with this. If they made this deal maybe three years ago or two years ago, where it's like re- really starting to take off before they could, yeah, before it spread out to everything. Yes, but now they just lost three hundred sixty million, and what if next year it only makes half of that? Now here's my question to you because you would know more about this stuff than I do. Oh, um, so let's say there is there's a Vita version of Minecraft in the works, PS4 version of Minecraft in the works. Uh, I believe a Microsoft one. Is there a Wii U version? I, I, I probably not. Um, Or Wii U. Yeah, I know. I love you, Wii U. Uh, And an Xbox One version in the works. Let's just say, I'm I'm positive the Vita, I'm pretty sure the PS4 and the Xbox One. Now, let's say they buy that, but is there there any sort of contractual obligation for them to finish out the development on those other versions, which would hurt them even more? Absolutely not. Why why would there be if they buy buy the whole company? If they buy the whole, okay. That's, That's my question. So if they do buy the whole company, then it's... Anything else in progress can be dumped, regardless of what's been I mean, signed. It would depend upon what the contracts were previously, but if we're talking them taking over the entire company, company okay. I mean, they're controlling the development. Unless, right. they, unless they have a contract with Sony saying, we're going to be working on this game for the next three years, and regardless of any deal to come, that's going to stay so in So it would all be in the wording of the contract. It has to be the wording of the contract. Okay. No, but, I, like I said, I, I realized it was kind of a stupid question, but I, I just that was one that I thought of earlier, and I'm like, well, I know that they've got these versions in the works. What's what's that mean for those? I mean, here's what Microsoft's looking at. They're looking at this. It's a hugely popular game. Uh, technolo- Technologically-wise, it's not a lot for them to develop. They have, they're buying the source code, obviously. They can, they can say... Yeah, you got to buy Microsoft. You're going to buy the software. It's our profit. Whatever thirty dollar package, whatever the hell. I don't know what Minecraft even costs. Twenty seven on a PC, twenty on a PS3 or a 360, and like seven bucks on a mobile phone. So they're probably figuring, all right, all the people buying copies on the mobile phone, all the PlayStation ver- versions. They probably wouldn't just cut it entirely, but obviously, when Minecraft Two gets developed, that'll be huge. And they're thinking, all right, that'll be exclusive to the Xbox One. And it'll be exclusively, obviously, to be Microsoft published on, on the PC. And that'll be a ton of revenue. Again, there's no guarantee, though, that that trend will continue. There's no guarantee the amount of people that are uh, that are enjoying and loving Minecraft are automatically going to switch to Minecraft, too. Well, especially if they have a really great thing going with their, uh, like, a, a Mac server or a, or a PS4 yeah. game, and they can't upload it. And, it, like I said, Minecraft was developed to be so open that... People are making Minecraft 2s and 3s and 4s and 5s basically every day by, by increasing well, the functionality I'm of sure it. if Microsoft buys it, they're going to cut that shit out and lock down all those servers. Well, Microsoft can eat me. So, obviously, if you're Mojang, you're like, wow, this is amazing. I am richer than rich for, for the next 8,000 years. My kids will have money. Obviously. On top of the huge amount of money. I mean, hell, when you go when people cosplay, they have toys... They have the the big foam swords. I mean, it's a huge. Even thing. at bootleg ones now, like yeah, one, yeah there's like, it, like all over at Comic Con, I, I would just see them. Like you would see like Minecraft TM sword, like totally legit, right? Sure. And then like two booths over, you'd see like foam pixel gun. 
And it's like, yeah, that's weird. That's so totally not. This is bad for the overall for the Minecraft player. Obviously, if Microsoft can do it, if Microsoft sees a, a, a profit margin enough to make up their $2 billion, even 15 years down the line. Dude, it's a $2 billion coin toss. It is. If this was even $1 billion, I'd say, okay, I could see this working out. You'll make back your money. At, at, at worst, 10 years down the line, you'll make it back. Maybe 15. $2 billion plus, say it's $2.5 billion, this could be 25 years. Where they make their money back. I'm, obviously, 25 years in business for a company as big as Microsoft, they can take those hits. But obviously, for a deal like this, you want to turn that money back around within three, four, five years and start making a profit right. on it. So if Mojang can sell this for two billion, bless you. That's a great deal for you. But again, I think I think the consumer might not not, not necessarily they may not win with this deal. Well. I mean, and, and as is said in the article and in other articles, it's not a done deal yet. It's only in the works. We might not see it happen, but uh, yeah, I don't particularly see it as being particularly good for anyone. I mean, not even Microsoft. So, guy trades in two hundred and three copies of Night Trap into Albuquerque Game Store, and I'm sorry, I'm br- I'm 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 initiating this one just because I would have loved to have been. That guy that- the store. I would have loved Luna to have been the store that did that because as fucking cool as it was to find an NWC in a bag of sports games, as cool as it was to get a nearly complete Vectrex collection entirely boxed with all the overlays, including the 3D imager, I don't know that there would have been a more fun story than someone bringing in 203 copies of pre... Um, Pre-sensor. Pre-sensor Night Trap. It's just, it's a hilarious story. Now, the difference between the pre and the post is just you don't see cleavage. You see see, uh, the actress on the cover. Instead, they changed it from the the, the woman going... Yeah, and she's in a more aggressive pose, too. She looks less helpless on the the revised cover. Uh, That's basically it, but... um, There's a lot of of angles we can take with this. Uh, now the guy that turned this in, uh, he used to work at Blockbuster, it seems. So yeah. I guess he worked at one of the distribution centers where I guess when all the games were done, if I guess in the state or two or three, all the copies of the games went back to the distribution center, and I guess this guy somehow procured them. So these are all rental copies, two hundred and three rental copies. Some have boxes from the picture, some don't. Yeah. So he comes into the store. He isn't from what they. I guess they interviewed him quickly. He didn't care really what he got from him. He just wanted them gone. He might have more games in this quantity. And this is the thing about retro games, and I bring this up not to say I told you so about stuff like this, is that you never know when stashes like this can happen. Oh, yeah. And, and, this, and Night Trap's only a 20 to $30 game. Yeah. It's I, gone up. It's, I, it's, it's, I it's in there. I think we sell it for 25 That's For the first version, That's that's fair. If this happens even to a game like this, and these hit the market, now these all went to a guy that who knows what's going to happen to him, just 200 copies of a Night Trap will bring the value down. Oh yeah, hugely. Yes. Just 200 for a game like Night Trap. Because we're talking retro, where the market is now significantly more limited, so yes. 200 copies is a large influx into the into the, the stream of people who, who would want it. Especially in a case like this, where we know a guy has 200. Now this guy can do two things. He could then... Uh, Put them all in a store and, and wait 50 years to sell 203 Night Traps at $25 a piece. Some of them disc only and scratched. Yes. Said all of them were probably refurbishable, but... He could mark them down at 5 bucks each and blow them out 
and then the market gets hurt, but more people get it, he can put them all on eBay. He can put one up for, say, a month, again, for the next 200, that's the next uh, 15 years. He can do that. Or he can do, like, a Dutch auction, or just put them all, like, I have 200, and do, like, I don't know, five bucks each by now, and then all the resellers will buy, like, 50 copies of them each and just get them all and then hold on to them. Either way, the market is now flooded. At least the knowledge that these are out here. Right. Because, hell, if you want one of these, you can just call the store. Yeah, and say, like, hey, what, what are you charging? Hey, hey, I see it on eBay for 25 I'll charge you, how about 15 bucks plus shipping? I'm saving 10 bucks. you're saving the hassle of putting them on eBay. Yeah. Everyone wins. No fees. No fees for him. So, this is interesting because this guy has more stuff, it seems. He didn't say what he has, but he has more stuff. And we're talking, uh, Night Trap is what, 94? Is it 93 or 94? Um, that's a good error for video games, for 16-bit. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff that he could have. Sure. Now, I'm not sure if he has them all, though, because these were all recalled and Blockbuster then took them out of the store, but... Right, he could have them because, they, I mean, he was looking at a pile of recalled games and said, what are you doing with these? And they were like, nothing. And he said, I'll throw you this much. And they're like, yeah, take them. His quote is, I have a van full of boxes of old Sega stuff. A ton of stuff to unload, and he is nearly concerned with money as he is cleaning, clearing up room at his house. So, I got that, that's what I wanted to touch on. I've met a lot of these types of people. Not I'll people with 203 copies of one game, but I have met a lot of people like this. People who come into me, right? And they will... I remember at the old store, this guy, he had a collection that he said took up the entire second floor of his house. And he said, not in a neat and tidy manner. And he sold off a lot of stuff, but there was a lot of stuff he couldn't sell. And he came and visited us three times. And he would just bring bin after bin after bin in. And if you remember the old store, he would fill the entire back room with bins, the middle room with bins, and most of the first room with bins. Each of three visits. And every time I said, dude, this is going to take me forever. And he said, you know what? Look at it quick and make me an offer. Because all I need to do is clear the space. How old was he? Um, 50s? No, I'm going to put him at late 30s. Late 30s. Just looking like he wanted, he was just done with the hobby, you know? And and he, every time he came in, he came in with his wife, and they were talking about what they were going to do with the upstairs, and I think it was just like a, I don't think it was like a, don't take this the wrong way, I don't think it was a whip crack thing, I think it was just like a mutual agreement where they were like, maybe they were going to have kids or something like that, maybe, they, they, maybe he was a little bit younger than I'm putting him at, but he just wanted his space back. Sure. And I have found, even in my life, when I just want space back in my house... I'm willing to let things go for a lot cheaper than I normally would. So here's a guy that got into it, got out of it very quickly. This is a guy here, though, that just has a bunch of old stock. And whenever I meet, it's, it always goes back to rental stores. Whenever I meet a collector, say, in his 50s, maybe 60s even. I've met a lot of those, too. That they didn't even necessarily get into game collecting just to get into it. But in the late 90s, when all the mom-pop stores were closing or, say... Hollywood Video started closing. Palmer Videos uh, on the East Coast. These were changed. Easy Video was yeah. a chain on the East Coast in the Tri-State area. They didn't know what to do with these games, so they would just close up the stores and then say everything's for sale. So, well, these, so these guys would go in and just buy all, all the stock. It's like the guy who sold me the Vectrex stuff. He was in his early 60s, late 50s, and he was just like... Dude, I know what this is worth. You can basically just offer me whatever because I'm not moving cross-country with all of this. They just stopped caring at some point. You know, especially if he had a good job. 
Sure. You know, and you've got money and you just don't care. You get a couple of kids, you need the room. Yeah. Just want, sell it. Get some money, just get rid of it. You know, you don't need you don't need to spend years and years and years maximizing the profit. You just want it out. Yeah. So I don't think it's gonna happen now. But all those guys in their sixties or fifties, give it twenty years from now, you might see a lot of huge collections hit the market. Oh sure. I mean, hell, you might see a lot hit it in the next five or ten years for guys like me. Man, we're done in the move, but there's I might a lo- actually own a little Samson. But there is a guy that I, <laughs> I made the swap meter once in a while that has he has almost all the games. He has the same events, and he got those all in the '90s, all in the mid to late '90s. Yeah, wish I was a little bit older because I would have bought them all in the mid to late '90s too. Sure, and I'd have not that I don't have most of them, but I would have them all for sure. And that's a guy that give it 15 years, he'll that'll be gone. Either because he unfortunately passes away because he gets too old, or he retires and what does want anything to do with it, it'll be gone at some point. And yeah. it all comes back on the market. It's all a cycle. Probably with most collectibles. But for games, games are such a weird sort of thing that it's not like comics where I believe if, if comics are all old and worth a lot of money and they're graded, that's not going to slip through the, through the cracks where someone's action comics number one is not going to be come back on the market and sell for a lot less. For video games, though, they might. Yeah, no, they definitely I, might. I totally agree. So that's that's about Night Trap. This guy has a lot more Sega stuff. There are places out there where there are stashes of stuff. Happened with Caltron 6 and 1 a few years ago, where tons were found in Mexico, destroyed the price of the game. It went from a $1,000 sealed game to 200 sealed. And I think that's even inflated because there's a lot out there. It could happen to other games. Happened yeah. to Akari Warriors and the 2600. Well, it even happened say. to more modern games, not to drag the topic out, but I remember when like Persona 2 was going for 80 bucks at one point. And this was when PlayStation 1 was still fairly relevant. And then they found like you know a few shipping crates of it, and suddenly it was in bargain bins at GameStop for 25 bones, and that's when I finally picked it up. Sure. So... We're not Q&A yet, but we almost are. Almost. So what's this about PewDiePie disabling comments on YouTube videos? I don't I don't know who the fuck he is. <laughs> I know I've seen so, like I've seen like one picture of him and he looks annoying. I think he's Swedish. PewDiePie talks like this. Bro fist. That's like his thing. He he's he, <laughs> He's a let's player. He's the biggest draw on YouTube. I think he's come up on 30 million subscribers okay. or something. And he makes a million dollars a year doing it. At least. I think he makes like $3 million a year. Something. Well, hey, good for him. Seems like a nice guy. He does some charity work. Good. He put out a That's video. Cool. That's he, fine. Because he's the most popular person on YouTube, I guess his comment section is absolute hell. Between people just being assholes and people coming in and spamming their own videos and their own business because they realize these are the videos that are watched the most of them doing it. So he, he, he can't keep He can't deal with that. it. I mean, hell, he probably could to afford to hire. He could, he could afford to hire. He's making millions a year. He could afford to hire a few people to mod full time. And pay him fifty thousand a year? Why not? Yeah, but that's a lot of stuff. If we're talking tens of thousands of comments on each video, probably he didn't want to deal with it anymore, and he didn't want to see his, I guess, videos become the platform for other crap. So he came out the video saying he's going to, in the future uh, disable all the comments on his future videos. And it's his obviously it's his prerogative. He can do whatever the hell he wants on his videos. And the thing is, people can always comment though. They can comment on Twitter. I think he wants to do that and start do, u- using that. For people to do that, and just like he can probably do a hashtag for each video, and that'll always be there on Twitter. Stuff's there forever. On a Reddit thread, a lot of, a lot of YouTubers use Reddit for people to comment on videos. So people will always be, be able to comment. You just cut through a lot of the bullshit and stuff that you don't want. Yeah, but I mean, how much of that bullshit are you really cutting through? People can still hijack his hashtag and promote his own and promote their own shit. Yeah, but it's not the same effect. 
it's not, and plus it's not automated spam that'll do that to that extent. And on Reddit, people have to click over to a link and then do it, and they'll be banned on Reddit for, from doing it. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a lot more effort for people to do that. That's fair. I, I don't know I, why I kind of take issue with people who disable YouTube comments because they can't stand the heat. If you're going to put yourself on YouTube, you have to be willing to take a little bit. You don't have to take the, the, the worst of it. You don't have to take threats. You don't have to take awful shit. But you got to be able to take criticism. And I know a lot of people who ban YouTube comments or like turn off YouTube comments because mm-hmm. they don't want to deal with uh, negative reactions. And I'm sorry. That's part of putting yourself out there publicly and grow a thick skin. I've learned to do it over the past year. You, you say that, but, you, but you're not the one with, with the YouTube channel. But I see your point. Have yeah, a thick but skin. But I, I still read the fucking comments. Well, the sure, comments are still directed at me. Yeah, sure, but you don't have to. <laughs> you know? Neither do you. True. But here's the thing, is that for him... But for him, no, I, he's, I, I get it. His I get YouTube channel is being co-opted. Yes, no, that's no, something that's he doesn't want I, to. I, my, you, I didn't get to my second part. My first part is, is what I just said. My second part is, if you're so big that you are being you, your video's comment section is being used as an advertising network, then yes, it's time to move on and find a different way to interact with your friends. Or your, your viewers. Sure. And that's what he's doing. Now, people, some people argue that you shouldn't ever do that. Again, it's your prerogative. Do whatever the hell you want. It is. I'm, I'm more on the... I'm, because he's so big, I guess I can understand it. I still think a moderator would be the better option. Oh, I, sure. A moderator would be great. A moderator I, would be fantastic I, if you have that on YouTube. I really think that would be the better option. I just don't necessarily... Despite the, 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 the garbage and the dregs of humanity and the scum fucks that you can find online... I just don't necessarily agree with turning off YouTube comments. If someone is particularly awful, you just ban them. But for him, obviously, he can't do that. Sure. It would be it would be a, an entire thing. There you go. All right. So we got some new 3DSs on the way. And by new 3DSs on the way, I mean a, a bunch of 3DSs on the way. So we've got a new 3DS... Literally called the new 3DS on the way. That will come in the two uh, sizes that the current 3DS comes in. Has it been four years already? Because that seems to be when Nintendo starts to rehash their handhelds. I, I feel like it's three, but yeah, there are Three, four years. Yeah. Um, I'm not the person to give you an unbiased opinion on this. Because I don't buy every new iPhone. I still have a 4. I have a 4S. Um, I don't buy new systems day release. Um, I don't buy a lot of new stuff, but I do love my Nintendo handhelds, and I will buy this new system. You will? I will. Okay. Why? Why? Because I like it, and because I want to. Because I, I like the fact that the the, the extra stick is included. We're get, you're getting a right analog stick, and getting two new Z1 and Z2 shoulder buttons. Those those don't matter. The Fast, way- faster CPU. Built-in support for for near-field communication, NFC devices, and Amiibo figurines. Right. So that's interesting to me. The addition of the new stick, the C-Stick, is important to me because I'm very much looking forward to Monster Hunter 4. And you need the right stick to use that too? And it, you don't need it, but the game is very difficult to play without it. without it. And I guess I'd rather just get the new system than add on a bulky stick attachment. Plus... I would like to play um, Xenosaga, which was one of the highest rated RPGs of the last generation with the Wii. People are kind of up in arms, some people, not all people, I've seen a lot of reasonable people, 
um, because there's been much touting of the new processor and of, of, of this sort of stuff. How soon people forget that the DSi did the same thing, announced itself in the same way as having a better processor, and announced itself as having exclusive games. And how many exclusive games did the DSi have? I can name one downloadable title. I think that Xenoblade Chronicles being an exclusive is bigger than that, but the prices in that game are coming down. If you have a Wii, you can play it on your Wii. You can play it on your Wii U. But I will take it for the increased battery life. I will take it for the slightly larger screen, and I will take it for the C-Stick. Now, I don't expect everyone to agree with me on that. I just like Nintendo handhelds. I, I, I realize I am the unreasonable Apple fanboy when it comes to Nintendo handhelds. Um, but I just don't think it's as big of a deal as people think. Nintendo's not stupid enough to split their fan base no, that way. They're not going to come out with exclusive games in this. Now, now, of course, if you want to use the Amiibos on Smash on 3DS, you want the new system. Sure. And obviously Nintendo knew that. And for this, I'm not going to fault Nintendo because when the 3DS originally came out a few years ago, they probably didn't foresee the Amiibo thing back then. They probably didn't plan on it. No. Probably. Um, that doesn't bother me with this that much. What bothers me is that, you know, it's not a lot of people... They are the games that are coming out will not be able to take advantage of the people that actually bought the add-on, whatever they call that, for where you, where you can get the second. See, I heard that it would. No, they're they're not going to support that. Um, with these new games, won't support that. Won't support that add-on second stick. Really? No. What was that called? The Pro. The Circle Pad Pro. Yeah. Does, do, do people even buy that anymore? Is that even available? Can you even buy that? You can get it through Nintendo. So I think that's upsetting some people. I, but I, there weren't many games that made use of it. It was Revelations, Metal Gear. Um, so what they're saying is, when people are programming for the for the new 3ds, they're not even going to consider that. That's fine. I mean, if it's not a lot of games anyway. Who cares? Here's the thing: Nintendo 3ds sales have peaked. Now they sold a shit ton, but they've peaked. So last year they, they've sold 44 million units worldwide. That is a ton. Of units. Someone in the comment, I think it was even Megan, and I like Megan because she watches, but she said something about the, is this a response to the abysmal sales of the 3DS? I don't think that... They're not abysmal. Yeah, the 3DS sales are not abysmal. 44 million? Yeah. For a console, that's hugely successful, you know. Um, Sales, though, peaked. It said for the last quarter, 3DS sales, 3DS unit sales fell 43% year over year to 820,000 units. Well, that's that is not good. I mean, I'll, that's not good. But the fact that you have forty-four million right. to that point, you're reaching a saturation point. Exactly. You, it's not so much that the sales are abysmal; it's that they're already in people's hands. Yes. So, like, what happened with the Game Boy? A few years in, four years in, you're like, "All right, we'll do this color thing, and we'll do the Game Boy right. Pocket. We'll we'll try to give we more have, people more yes. reasons to keep buying systems." And we'll put out an NES version that'll be a GameStop. No, 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 no. Facts are wrong here. The new 3DS is completely separate. That's a different topic, which we will segue into. But it's not separate in terms of we need a way to get people to buy another unit. Right, right. Okay, so that's fine. But see, this is my thing. Yeah, that that's kind of driving me nuts. Is Nintendo? This is this is their version of the Game Boy Play It Loud. Yeah, Nintendo is now putting out the NES version, which I actually don't like the look of at all, um, and the Persona Q version, which I think looks great because it looks like the Grimoire and it's got a tarot theme to it. Um, 
But why am I going to buy this two months before I can buy a new 3DS XL? I'm not going to. I'm sorry. I wish I would because well, it's really nice. But because you can buy a Play It Loud and then get the Game Boy Pocket afterwards. Right, but I'm not going yeah, to. It's the same thing. Yeah. So I don't see... They did this with... Um, and it's, I had arguments with... Not arguments, but conversations with customers and maybe even with you. It was, it was prior to the podcast, way prior. But when they announced the th- uh, the DSi, shortly after they announced the DSi XL, they announced the DSi XL the day after they announced the 3DS. To me, this is Nintendo making that same mistake. And, and well, when I see when I see handheld consoles come in, I see a lot of 3DS or, or DSi XLs come in because everyone just realizes that this was kind of pointless. DSi, DSIs were terrible. I, well, yeah. They, I mean, overall, I will admit that that was probably one of the they stupidest got of, decisions that I I, I, I ever bought. I you bought a DSi because my DS Lite broke, so I got a DSi. But I didn't like the DSi very much. They got rid of the slightly ga- bigger screens. They got, they got rid of the Game Boy Advance compatibility. Yep. And then what did they really add? Uh, a 3D it, camera? No. What? No, was just a single camera. It was oh, just 3D. A, oh, great, a camera. They, they added an eShop that was full of crap titles oh, at the time. there you go. Yeah. It's like the PS Peep Go. So, I mean, this isn't... I just... Yeah, the, these will sell the Persona fans. I think the NES one is... I think it's humorous that GameStop is the exclusive what, retailer. Yeah, I wanted to get into that yeah. for you. Like, no, 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 facts. Why does GameStop get the NES version? <laughs> Why, why? Why? Why don't I get the NES yeah, where, version exclusively? The, the Luna NES version. <laughs> yeah, that that just strikes me so, as wrong and weird. So, I w- would I buy the NES version if I did not have a 3DS XL? Yes, I would. As opposed to just waiting two months for the new 3DS, which is going to be roughly the same price. You think it's going to be the same price? Or it's gonna drop They've already the announced. They said it's pre- it's going to be about two hundred, which is so they'll drop the rest. Twenty twenty bucks cheaper. Twenty bucks more expensive than the, the current model. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, if I'm the type of person where I'm like, would I actually use the features? I'm not gonna. If I'm not gonna get an amiibo, why do I care? The faster processor, they're not gonna make games just for the 3ds, uh, the new 3ds versus well, the old one. Now I need to look into it because Monster Hunter Four has already been released in Japan, and if Monster Hunter Four can't make use of the C stick, then I'm not gonna buy one. I mean, so there you go. So I guess I have some research to do. Unless they come, unless they do a cool thing where maybe GameStop does. A, if you buy the NES version, we'll throw in a couple of download t- uh, titles or whatever. That, that would be cool. that would be neat. Yeah, I'm trying to help you, GameStop. I'm trying to help you. I know you're listening. The employer that dealt with me when I when I bought the Mario Kart Eight. I'm going to pierce your skull. Don't help the enemy. <laughs> I don't know what to say about CM Punk seeking royalties. This is WWE. this is just sad all around. Um, CM Punk is a guy that I, I see myself in him a little bit. Because <laughs> we're both kind of punkish. No, you're not. You're not punkish at all. But anyway, continue. Attitude. No, your attitude is not punk. <laughs> We don't like taking shit. <laughs> All right. We, and we, we rave against the authority. We're, yeah. We're both, yeah, you are. We're both very stubborn assholes. Okay. See? Give you that. And we both... I am too, though, so does that make me punk? No. no. You're like Hornswoggle to me. Anyway, <laughs> so what happened, we, we, we talked about CM Punk left the company after the Royal Rumble not being... He was burnt out. He was tired of part-timers coming back and getting main event spotlights, which is a very... Valid Very point. credible, valid point. I mean, he was champion for two WrestleManias and, w- and did not headline for either WrestleMania a- as champion, you know, which is, you know, ridiculous. Or should at least, excuse me, one. One WrestleMania, he was champion, and champion should always headline WrestleMania. 
I said it was it was Rock versus Cena one. So he left the company back in uh, late January um, to the Royal Rumble, and so he was still announced in late August for being in the new 2K15 WWE game because I guess he figured, all right, my contract's broken. WWE basically figured, well, you broke your contract early, so we still maintain the licensing rights up to that point when your contract's supposed to be up, which I believe October was when his contract was supposed to be originally up. Sure. Around October or November, because he signed a, he signed a three-year contract back in 2011 when he stayed. So now, it's, it wasn't a lawsuit, but he sent a 22-page letter basically saying, you owe me royalties. This isn't good for the relationship between the two of them, because up to this point, WWE was kind of like, all right, let him give him space. Give him a space. He's been. This is WWE's perspective. Not that I agree with it entirely. He's being bratty. Give him his space. Maybe he'll come back to us in the future. Right. We're, we're not going to bury him. Blah, blah blah. And they haven't. They haven't buried him. They've mentioned him on Raw uh, with the whole sure. Paul Heyman thing. They've shown things. Um, hell, just keeping him in the game. They could have dropped that up. They wanted to. They had enough time. Um, they wanted to keep his name around just in case. But now after this. Supposedly, reportedly, they're dropping most of his merchandise from the WWE shop. And now is the start of that Ultimate Warrior treatment, unfortunately, where they're going to maybe not bury him, but say... They might start closing the door with Triple H is going to get pissed off at him enough that... Because Triple H supposedly was really pissed after he left uh, oh, yeah. in January. And McMahon was trying to have him stay, but Triple H basically wanted to bring the hammer down on him. Yeah. And Triple H is a guy that... Love him or hate him, he's one of those guys that business first, loves the business, sacrifices the business, and he, he was disappointed in CM Punk, I, I think, doing that. It's funny, I hate Triple H, but I love what he's done with NXT, so, like, he is one of those love-hate guys. Like, he is. He is one of those guys that he does love the business. No, he, I, I believe Absolutely that, I believe that his heart is, for the most part, in the right place, So business-wise. Will this mean that there'll be a cease and desist from CM Punk over the game? Which I don't think it's ever been done for something like this. This is, this is a huge game from them every year, you know. Here's I don't know. This is this is going away from the, the the ethics and stuff. But my personal feeling is CM Punk has been out of the spotlight for a long time. I think it's eight months now. Yeah, seven I think, months. I think smarts are probably well smart enough to realize that uh, he may not be coming back, or if he does, it, it may might be, be a few years. It might be a few years after things cool down. Um, so why the fuck would you want him in the game? He's not a current wrestler. I, I mean, I feel like I don't know why they're putting him in there. I, I almost well, they always do. Every year, there's guys that get fired and stay in the game just because they did all the the, the storylines and the models for him yeah, but but it. there's not a lot of storyline in the current WWE games. They play differently. They play okay. they, they do universe mode, which is basically you make the storyline by picking and choosing options. There is no there's no more voiceover modes that they had there's, ten there's, twelve years ago. Not not with last year at least. It's 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 just a constant. Basically, you play through... Like a sim. You play through, and then you get to, like, um, you know, the, the pay-per-views, and then based on your actions, you can change the story. And it's all done basically without text, but it's all done very well, and it's very it's fun. It's mind. Yeah, and it's very fun to play. Um, I would much rather... And it's not that I don't like CM Punk, but it's just like, if he's not, if he's not current... Why not put a good NXT wrestler or someone else on the undercard in there? I don't think we need. If CM Punk is not wrestling, it's probably not well, going now to be it's wrestling. Too late. They yeah. can't put a new guy in. But the game's going to launch in a couple months. Create a wrestler. Just make someone. Oh yeah, yeah, you can do that. What I'm saying to to come up with a whole new move set and modeling, it's too late in the in the production cycle to do that. 
What does he finish with? Koji Clutch? Uh, is that what it's called? With that arm thing? He does that and uh, go to Sammy, sleep. Sami Zayn finishes with the Koji Clutch. And they go to sleep. So, I mean, I mean, you could... Having more moves in the game is not a bad thing. Make a new model. I mean, most. I mean, okay. you, you can put someone else in. Okay. I, 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 I feel maybe, like... maybe this was their way of, of saying to CM Punk, we still respect you. Maybe that was, but it backfired because now CM Punk was royalties. No, that's fair. Which, if CM Punk, if CM Punk really thinks his contract was torn up in January, he's entitled to royalties. He is. But if WWE says he breached the contract, the contract's still valid. Then they can do whatever they want with his face and image. Yeah, but while, I, I while like, I, you know, so, it's right. I feel like we're both making valid points without having all the facts in front of us. Um, I would just rather see someone other than CM Punk because he was gone. I'm not saying you want Sting. I want Sting. <laughs> uh, well into uh, we haven't done that in a while. I want Danny Sullivan. Um, well into uh, I mean, by the time I got WWE 2K14, Punk was already gone. So whenever I see a match that he's in, I either sim it or I beat him mercilessly because I want him <laughs> out of my storyline because he's just not a current wrestler. It bothers you that much? Yeah, like I just come I, on. Where's your fire pro spirit? You just bring well, no, disco inferno. You know, fighting Ric Flair. Just do it. I have fire pro. I have a great roster for fire pro. And if I want to play dream match, I will play fire pro. But if I want to play a more like, I, I, I do love mixing like some of the legends with the new stuff, but yeah. new guys. If I'm not particularly excited about you, and CM Punk did not excite me in the last year of his contract, um, put someone else in the game who deserves the spot. And I realize, like, like you said, that it could have been a an olive branch, but it also could have been antagonization. But I don't. I, I don't see them doing that but, as much antagonization because they know that CM Punk is a guy that could could drag them through the mud. I, well, and, and he I would was going to say I do feel and like plus his wife is still working for the company. Yes, and she's the, the, one of the top divas, AJ Lee, because she's an excellent wrestler and, and she's a she's great. Good. She's good. I, I do feel like CM Punk is a little egotistical and a little bratty, so I could see him Punk-ish. doing this. <laughs> anyway, all right, so. I so think- so um, that's our Main wrestling topics. wrestling topic that we haven't done in a few time a few weeks. We'll uh, try to get those more in there, guys. I, the people who well, asked, we, did, we we didn't do a SummerSlam. We should have done a SummerSlam. I fu- SummerSlam was it, was it was in between. It was a week and a half later. So we were it like, was a week yeah. and a half late. And honestly, by that point, I'd forgotten a lot. And I mean, we can we'll cover the I'll cover the main event briefly. You can say your piece on it. I thought it was boring. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people really loved the main You're event. You're talking, okay, Brock Lesnar versus yeah, Cena. Yeah, I thought the main event was boring. Um, everyone who had seen, because we watched it late. We waited for all of our friends to come over. I watched it live. And, and all of my friends were like, we won't spoil it. And I think you even said something similar. But that match was really good. And I guess I just don't gel with Brock Lesnar. Because okay. I, I just don't, I mean... I, I, I used to. I used to think he was a good wrestler for being of the size and stature that he was for the maneuverability he had for his size. Like I thought he was great, but I don't enjoy watching him anymore. And I've learned to respect CM Punk a little bit more. Not CM Punk. John Cena a little bit more mm-hmm. in, 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 in the past couple months. But I just didn't feel like this was a match where there was any real meaningful back and forth. And I felt that... Well, no, there was no back and forth. Yeah. But that's why it was so fascinating, because that had never been done before. 
It, it was bold. Uh, we watched it at WrestleMania, Lesnar versus Undertaker. There was no, no, there was a lot of back and forth. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He tombstoned them like twice in that match. What are you talking about? Okay, there was fine. lots of back and forth. Whatever. It, this it, was a squash championship match. Yeah, that's that not, that, never that, that is not impressive to me. I thought it was very impressive. Wait, it was wait, bold. No, no, you've never seen that before? Don't worry about the Dan Bryan thing. Dan Bryan no, thing no, 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 no. How about Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man, where Macho Man drops the fucking elbow five times? That was not... you know what a squash match yeah, is? Yeah, I do know what a squash match is. A squash match, match is just one, one wrestler destroying the other one with with no, not the other person getting moves it in. It also involves no-selling, and Ultimate Warrior no-sold like a... I, I, That's not what a squash is. A I know squash match saying. is turning on superstars and watching Honky Tonk Man beat up a jobber from the town, not getting in his offenses. This All was... Right, more or less, you're right, but still, I found no, it... I am right. This is... This, punkish. This is, this is why it was important. I, it was not that amusing. It was important because it showed a few things. It showed that John Cena was willing to do that, and John Cena could have said no to that because he's been able to do that. It, it was important because it made something fresh that wasn't there before. The fact that we're talking about it now means it worked. If it was a regular 20-minute match back and forth, we wouldn't give a shit about it. And we, this is not this is a match that you'll be talking about 15 years from now because it stood out that much. I don't I don't think so. I guarantee you, it was that memorable. I don't think so. You're on the wrong was, side of history, my friend, because everyone that <laughs> told that match said it was unbelievable it was, because it of was that. a Saturday it told Night's a, main event it, caliber match that no, was, that was a main, main event. event. Never even did this. It it was a squash match between a squash Sasquatch. It was a squash match <laughs> where the champion. Got obliterated and got almost no office in except for the uh, desperation moments. That even that no one's even going to remember he, that he got his desperation uh, no, finishers. I don't. I don't remember anything other than it was Lesnar hitting a fifteen German suplexes, a bunch of German ju- suplexes, knees, a lot of resting, some more suplexes, and a pin. It was completely, only- utterly, and entirely unexciting. I don't care what it no, means it, to the industry. It was no, unexciting. It, it moved it, it established Lesnar as the biggest heel in the company since Andre the Giant. And I do not say that lightly. He is now the biggest threat to any other wrestler since Andre the Giant. So what Lesnar is garbage who wrestles three times a year. He's not he's not garbage. And you can't get on from that's his if if they don't want him to wrestle, blame WWE for saying you should, we want you wrestling more often. Then I will. And he's going to wrestle at Night of Champions. That's twice in, within uh, four or five weeks. He'll be there more. They, they didn't do this knowing that he wasn't going to wrestle. And I do, I do not see him losing to John Cena. That would be, that would be totally pointless if he lost to John, John Cena in the rematch. He's going to be champion until at least the Rumble, no, I, I, not WrestleMania. For the record, I don't think, he's going to, I don't think John Cena is going to win either. No, it wouldn't make any sense. No. They built him up to such a level as heel. And plus, they had to because he just beat The Undertaker. So he, if, he, if he ended the streak, he couldn't. Uh, of lost to John Cena first of all, and I always said you thought John Cena was going to win, and I told you that was crazy that he was going to win at SummerSlam. He couldn't. I didn't think he was going to win, lose in that manner, but I knew Cena couldn't win. But what's fascinating is now he's made. C- uh, are, you, are you sure you're not mistaking? What I never told you that I didn't. Think. You thought Cena was going to win at SummerSlam. You did say that. I oh, did. I. You did. So this is why it's important. Whoever. Well, yeah, because I, I, I did because whoever, they were building him up. Whoever ends up beating Lesnar at WrestleMania. After Lesnar goes through everyone like a saw blade, will make that the biggest match in the past probably ten, twelve years. It'll be more anticipated, I think, than even uh, even uh, Rock Cena. Fine, be- be- because if you have 
and I really hope it's not Roman Reigns because Roman Reigns is not impressing no, me at no, all. No, 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 no. But if if Daniel Bryan comes back and supposedly he does not need a second surgery, he should be back within three, four months. If he comes back and if they let him, what about Sting? You want Sting? You want Sting? Even if they let him, if he comes back and legitimately wins the Rumble like he should have last year, comes back, it is the ultimate underdog story. It'll be. Hogan versus Andre was an underdog. Yeah, since dude, Andre was say, but dude, now you're, if now, Brian now, versus Lesnar happens to WrestleMania, it will be a fu- it will be the most anticipated match in like 12, 13 years. Now you're booking your 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 fire pro fed. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, that that's how that would be the biggest no, money maker. It, it would be because Lesnar. Uh, the, the minute Brian comes back, he's the number one face again. Sure, they're still chanting yes, yes. Uh, uh, Brie Bell is still in the spotlight with with, with a big storyline with Stephanie. It's actually very entertaining with the Nikki versus Brie stuff. Uh, Brian comes back. Everyone will be on his side now. Since he since he's the rightful champion, so to speak. Since the only reason you know he didn't he never lost the title. He had to give it up. So he comes back. They have to put him back in that main event. If they don't, the fans will be even worse than before, yelling for him to come back. All right. Yeah. After this discussion, I agree that the squash match solidifies him as a heel. Not just a heel. Shut the up. Biggest heel. Solidifies him as a big heel. Um, I agree that it makes him intimidating. Um, if he wasn't before, and I, I don't disagree that he that that he he shouldn't have beaten Cena. That that's fine. I just hope that the matches we get leading up to Mania, where he will probably drop the belt, are far more interesting than the matches we saw. Because I'm sorry, you can argue the importance of the match, and at the end of our conversation, and I don't do this often, I will admit that I now see the importance of the match. I see the importance of the match. (laughs) But I still think the match sucked and was a boring sleep fest. I don't think it was boring. I think I told the story, it did exactly what it was supposed to do, and did it well. Okay, that, that aside... Uh, in terms of who Lesnar can face, say if he holds the belt to, to WrestleMania, that's six months, eight months, uh, almost. Uh, Rollins? No, I don't think I don't see Rollins cashing it until at least WrestleMania, or unless they hot shot to someone else. I well, don't then, see Rollins who, trying to cash. Then it's not going to be Brian. Who, I mean, R- who, Ryan's, R- uh, Rollins has until the next Monday the day pay per view to cash it, and that's like uh, in May, I believe. Yes. So I think what would happen is he would try to cash mm-hmm. in against Brian and lose. He would be one of the guys that would actually lose. I don't think Rollins is not ready to be champion. No, he's not. Rollins is very talented, but he's not ready. Um, but I see him going up against guys like maybe a Reigns before then. If they decide, hey, maybe we shouldn't main event Reigns at WrestleMania, we'll have him lose to Lesnar in February. Maybe a big show. Uh, you know what I mean? Maybe a Ziggler they'll try to work in there. Really? To lose. You, maybe. Really, you really think they're going to try to fucking bring back Ziggler to main event status? He'll, I liked all Ziggler, but, back there. but he's permanently right. buried. No, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Anyway, but we'll see what happens. He's That's our wrestling conversation. All right, all right. Q&A. <laughs> Q&A. Papa Ken Media. At Papa Ken Media. <laughs> Are tank controls, Resident Evil, really that bad? Do you feel they add to the suspense of old horror games? What are tank controls? Tank controls is when you, you cannot strafe and you must turn. Like You pivot, on, an, you you pivot, pivot on one point and to, left and right move you and you press up to move. Here's my problem with tank controls and Resident Evil. Tank controls, I think, were more or less, for this game type, implemented originally in Alone in the Dark, which was originally a PC game. 
Now, if you put your fingers on your arrow keys and you have normal arrow keys, forward, left, right, back, it works just fine. It was the best control scheme for that game on the PC. When you move it... Now, they saw they saw this sort of game and they wanted to make a game like that, and they implemented those controls because I think it was probably easy to. I don't think... I don't buy that tank controls were ever implemented to increase suspense of horror games. I believe that they were implemented because that was kind of the... What they knew. The template set. When... Okay, I don't know this. I'm not a Resident Evil guy. When Resident Evil first came out, did they even have the PS1 controllers yet that had the dual... Sticks. No, they didn't, but that still doesn't change the fact that you can maneuver with the D-pad and press a button to aim. Okay. You, you, well, I'm you, saying you is, can still you sight with an say- R button. You see what I'm saying, though, is yes. that they couldn't even think about having one stick uh, walk forward and backwards and to strafe and the other one turn. They couldn't even do that But when that they yet. did the Dual Shock versions, it's still the same control. They never changed it. They never so they changed were lazy. it. So I think it was simply... They were like, lazy. Yeah. I think I think they it's just lazy. laziness, and I think this is an excuse that people have been talking about for years and years. Oh, they did it because it increases the suspense. No, no, they did it because they no. saw one game do it, and they were like, fine, good enough no. for this this game. It's not good game design if I'm going to die because my guy's turning real slow and I can't dodge him artfully, or you know right. what I mean? That's not good game design. That That's a crutch. And you're not any better for it. You can still press a targeting button and have to use up and down to aim for head or body parts or limbs. There are so many different ways they could have done it. Mm. Tank controls aren't there for precision. They're not there for suspense. I remember playing it. I haven't played the original Resident Evil since the 90s on my friend. But yeah, that's one of the things I didn't like about the game was like... Because I was used to, you know... Mouse yeah. and keyboard. If you could play that game with a keyboard, it would be fine. Or like, re- or how like Resident Evil Four is on, on the on the Wii U on the, on the Wii U Wii. on the Wii, which That's is amazing. Fine. Yeah, Henry Delgado, Delgadio. <laughs> Prices but, on retro video games seem to be going down in my area. Is the bubble bursting? Are retro video game prices going down? Um. I think the first thing I would need to know to answer your question more accurately is what you mean by retro video games. I'm going to guess that you're mostly talking NES. And yes, I would say that some NES games are going down in price. Uh, minorly, some more majorly. We just dropped the prices on a bunch of our NES games. So come down to Luna Video Games. Yeah. Um, but, I, but it's not bursting, it's shifting. Because prices are rising like crazy on Super Nintendo games. They're starting to rise on Genesis games. Master System. Master System, Turbo Graphics. Turtles have been N64. I mean, GameCube. Yeah, GameCube has definitely gone up. So, no, I don't think the bubble's bursting. I think if your idea, depending on what you collect and where you're looking, say Atari or NES, yes, you are going to see some drops in prices, especially on NES. Not significant, but you will start to notice some some price drops. Um, But I don't think the bubble's bursting yet. I, I think we're getting there. I, I said that before that we are getting to the peak, though, of some sure. of these prices. Oh, I agree. For like a Flintstones Dinosaur Peak or a Little Samson. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, on NES, that is, that's the market you want to look at for dropping prices, not anything else. Everything else is rising. Sure. Jester. Jester of Roanoke. Pat, on the technical side of things, what equipment do you use for the podcast? Video, mics, etc.? All right. We use uh, Audio-Technica microphones i don't know the models offhand but these are probably you know hundred dollar microphones each eighty to hundred dollars used uh, okay that's scaring me 
Um, we use a Behringer USB mixer. So what happens is you are getting one sound source into your, into your computer through the mixer. We use it for the marathon last year, which I love using it for the marathon. And um, yeah, that's what we use for the hardware. For software, I use Wirecast. And we have a new Blackmagic Intensity because that's my <laughs> that's my uh, expensive camcorder there. And for Ian, we have a Logitech C920 webcam, which is the number one rated webcam, which we used to use too. And right now we're testing out that because for the marathon, we're probably going to use that. Probably. That's why you can count Pat's pores and see his pretty eyelashes, but I'm see just the veins kind of in my bicep. Yeah, it's not a good. It's, it's 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 totally a coincidence that Wednesday's bicep day at the gym. I don't do it for the podcast. That's the way it works yeah, out. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Caesar Hernandez, do you enjoy listening to chiptune music, and do you have any thoughts on it? Here's my thing. Um, I make some chiptune music. Uh, just for fun. It's just one of the many synthesizers that I dick around with. Um. I find that chiptune artists really tend to limit themselves too much to Game Boy, and there's a lot of really good chips out there that you can make music on. The SID for the C64, um, the Genesis FM synth, even the Super Nintendo Wavetable synth, even though you can replicate that on a computer. Um, I would love to hear chiptune music that is more than Game Boy, because at this point, chiptune simply means Game Boy. As far as listening to it, there are... Definitely, I would say, 30 tracks that I love and I will listen to all the time. But more than not, more often than not, I like listening to chiptune music in the context of a video game. you have any thoughts on chiptune music? Pat doesn't have any thoughts on chiptune music. All right. It's very chippy. It, it, yes. Juan Gutierrez, what were your impressions the first time you saw Mortal Kombat? Better or worse than playing Chiller? I originally thought this was about the movie, which my first impressions of were it was alright for a video game movie and had a great soundtrack. I love the movie. Yeah, the movie was fine. Juke Joint Jezebel in that one fight scene with Sonya. Great song by KMFDM. Anyway, um, first time I saw Mortal Kombat and I saw a guy's head get ripped off, I've always been squeamish. I was shocked. It was, I was it, shocked. No, I was. No, I was. I was, like, I was. I was a little dis. I was. I felt a little queasy. We're talking. You know, if you're pre-teen, early teen, seeing that, and you haven't seen that level of violence in a game before, that it, no, it was shocking. Yeah. That and that's why people were kind of like upset and like, what the hell is this? Yep. Because you go from you go from a games where even Street Fighter, yeah, there's some little bit of blood in Street Fighter, but those are cartoon characters. These are human actors. Right. So when you're ripping the head out, you're ripping out, it's a human head. Like, it's... The head and the spine, and it swings, and the heart. Yeah. And yeah. they have sounds of real people, and... Yeah, it was shocking. Some of them... Some of the finishers in, in fatalities in, in, in Mortal Kombat, like, uh, you know, uh, uppercutting the head off, or... Yeah. Well, uh, half of them are decapitations. That's what they just yeah, like doing. knocking the head off, or lighting the guy on fire, or Sonya's kiss of death. You know, those were kind of comic-y and whatever, but there were a few Oh, sure, that, there's, there's a comic... Uh, I mean, there's always a comic overtone to those games, but there are a few, and there's always a few in every game, and I swear they do it on purpose, that are, gruesome. are, are in oh, there okay. to make you feel uncomfortable. Which is why I don't... I don't. I like the first two Mortal Kombat games. The third one, okay, they should have ended it there. I think it's a gimmick series. I don't like the fact that the fighters all the same moves and move the same way for the most part. People are going to yell at me for that. I don't care. The violence was was a gimmick because when you get down oh, the, yeah. when you get down to the mechanics of the game, it's it especially the first one. It's shallow as hell compared to a game like Street Fighter Two. One and uh, one and two are all about 
hitting a special and then juggling and with your, it, yeah. and then juggling with your, your you're basic gonna, yeah. moves. You're gonna you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit part three is all about the run button Which and is, the dial of combos. Yeah, dial of combos, great. I took forty percent of your health off. Great, the game's broken. Uh, you know, but uh, but Mortal Kombat two, it's like all right, I'll, I'm gonna. I'm going to uh, freeze you, uppercut you, do my slide. There goes a third of your power. I'll right. do it three or four more times, you're dead. Mortal, That's Com- the game. Mortal Kombat 9 did a good job of trying to really legitimize it, but I still think the game as a whole has a lot further to go before it's actually... I mean, I know I know it was in, I believe, in EVO, but I, I, I still feel like it has a ways to go before it's really respected as a fighting game. Sure. So, that, so being a young kid going into uh, the Magnaleones... Uh, arcade, which they had, they sold ice cream and, you know, Italian ice, but then they had a little wooden, like, shack shed with, like, 25, 30 games in it. That sounds where awesome. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, I'd go you, there. You buy your tokens, and they had, uh, they had Mortal Kombat there, and they had the awesome, uh, baseball, uh, game where you hit, and you got oh, the, the cards. Oh, the bat? Oh, God. Remember yeah. that one where you can steal and had the LCD? Yeah! Yeah! Cool. He's going for a second! Anyway. Alright, Mortal Kombat, it was shocking at the time. Uh, once it got to Super Nintendo, it wasn't a shock anymore. You know, it's a couple years later, but whatever. I'm going to keep this quick. Roach Queen, at Roach Queen. Care to straighten out the juvenile simpletons who can't understand why the AVGN movie costs money to see? Yeah, I'll, simp- I'll, I'll straighten that out for you. You kickstarted the fucking production of a goddamn movie that doesn't entitle you to a free ticket. The fucking end. Done. Brian Waterwall. Pat, have you ever had fans follow you and Frank around the swap meet, or does your big hat keep you disguised? I snuck that one in. I don't know if you saw that. It used to keep me disguised. (laughs) Until I announced it. Um, It comes in waves. The first time I got noticed was probably two years ago. Uh, Two years ago, I'm not going to say is when my popularity started to ticker up, but it it, it got to a point where... um, at the swap meet, it'd be every other week, maybe someone would see me. Now, I tend to go early to the swap meet, so I guess I used to stay a little later. But then Frank started getting noticed at the swap meet. And then half the time, when I go with Frank, Frank doesn't go, Frank only goes maybe 20% or 10% of the time. But people, he's a lot more noticeable than me, even if I'm not wearing the uh, hat. He's, he looks very unique. Wild gray hair, mustache. Yeah. He, he looks like a character. That's why he's great. Yeah. Um, but... They notice him, then I would be lurking around, and they go, "Oh, you're Pat." Um, so I have people actually follow me. Most of the people that at swap me that see me are cool. I've been a one guy who I think who does stand up comedy. He's like, "I won't be like one of those fans that bothers you. Just want to say hi, whatever." And then you know, I, I've walked around with the people before that, or walked me. Yeah, we, you know, we. If you, I'm not going to run away from someone at the swap meet. Now, if you cramp my style, you know, I might, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, this is from Jerron. Jerron. I was going to say no one. Um, so I didn't see the name up there on the other page. This is from Jerron. What makes a good entertainment game? You think we'll ever see a return of Mario is missing? Uh, no, I don't. But I think the best example of an edutainment game is where in the blank is Carmen Sandiego? Because it does a really good job of making you feel like you're a detective. You have to read things. You have to get clues. The way the game randomizes locations and thieves and things that are stolen. For a game that was released at the time that it was, um, 
it was almost never ending. Although, I mean, you could kind of play a campaign and eventually catch Carmen San Diego. Uh, I think that's what makes a good entertainment game, where you're learning stuff and you don't necessarily feel like you're learning stuff. Now, I'm going out on a limb here, but I always have parents come in and their kids want Pokemon, right? And they look at something like Majesco's Brain Teasers 5 and go, I want to get my kid an educational game. And I go, you have to understand that Pokemon is developed for younger age children. The sentence structure is simple. It's repetitive. It teaches kids reading and reading comprehension. It teaches kids statistics. It teaches kids basic math. And while I would... I'm not going to go so far as to call Pokemon an educational game. Please don't. There are lots of educational aspects in it. So any game that is teaching a kid something that they wouldn't otherwise want to learn without them thinking they're learning something is good. And I think Carmen Sandiego is probably the best example of that. I agree. How about those Math Blaster games, all those games from like the 90s? No, see, I think that's... While I, I played them, I think those are the exact opposite of what you want to do because you're just answering cold math questions. Versus working it in. And then every once in a while, it's like you get to play a shitty mini game. Yeah, versus working the whole game around the, the education the, aspect. Exactly. Okay. Fox Sounder 1014. Oh. How do you define a complete NES collection? Do you weird unlicensed companies like Sachin, Gluck, and HES count? Pirated carts? Question mark. Well, it's up to your definition of a collection. This is my definition of an NES collection. Uh, obviously, I collect North American NTSC cartridges, uh, licensed and unlicensed. For me, they have to be the retail available, store retail availability in North America. So that discounts, obviously, uh, pottery carts are out. Uh, Gluck carts are not available in retail stores here. Saturn carts were, were not. Now you can say, well, my store had them, they imported them. I'm talking like, could you go to a Toys R Us and find them or a Kitty sure. City or KB store? No, you couldn't. So obviously, I don't count the NWC cards. Um, I don't count, believe it or not, since it hasn't really been verified to be bought in a store. I don't count Flintstone Surprise Dinosaur Peaks. That was a rental only. That doesn't make it into my complete set list in terms of retail availability. It wasn't, as far as I know, retail available. Um, Racer Mate, not that doesn't count. Sure. Uh, I'm still on the fence about the Miracle Piano since that's not really a game, you know. So that's my definition. So, I, obviously, I own games like Race from NWC that don't count towards my definition. Now, there are people that come out and say, um, well, you, 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 uh, for about the elitists will say, well, you don't count those games because you can't buy them, or, or whatever. They say, it's whatever you want it to be. Who fucking cares at the end of the day? It's whatever your goals are, you yeah. know? That's the same thing with records. Some people don't consider, you know, an artist collection's complete if you don't have all first pressings. Fuck you. I don't care if I yeah. have first, third, fifteenth pressing. If I have every album that person ever made, then I have a complete collection of their music. <laughs> if uh, I don't have stadium events, do I world class track me? Yes. To me, that's okay. Yeah, it's partially out of principle because I I hate what stadium events represents stands for whatever stands to the to the collecting community. It's one of the worst games in terms of its what it means as a hollow, only bought and sold because of its collectability with a non-interesting story, and that's why people like it. But to some people, you have to own a savings. To me, I don't care either way. If you want to say I don't own a complete collection, I don't, I don't care. Jason Reha, why is Batman and Robin so much more expensive on SNES than Sega? Well, from 
my viewpoint, Batman and Robin on the SNES is not nearly as common as the Genesis version. I do see the Genesis version a lot more. But really what I wanted to tackle with this question why I put it out there is simply because uh, Super Nintendo is far more popular right now than Sega Genesis is in terms of collecting. Mm-hmm. Lots of similar, lots of same or similar games on Super Nintendo are going to go for 10 to $15, if not more, than their Sega counterparts. And it's simply because no one cares about the Sega counterpart and everyone wants the Super counterpart because that's what they remember. A really good case in point is um, Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors goes for more on the Super Nintendo every time than it does on the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. Even complete copies on the Sega Genesis go for about 10 bucks cheaper than a loose copy on the Super. And that's just popularity. Nathan Wilcox... What does it tell you about a game when there's a large gap between the high-low sell prices on eBay? This is my theory. I'm gonna obviously Pat has an idea, but um, these are ones for sale or what they sold at. Well, when let's just say high-low sale prices, prices they sell at on eBay. What they've sold at. What they've sold at. Okay. And I'm going to assume this is including buy it nows and auctions. Well, yeah. And this is the this is the difference. Um, when a game starts to get popular but is not well known to be worth something, buy it nows will oftentimes be hugely cheaper than the auctions because the buy it now will go up at 35. The person doesn't know. Someone snatches it. You don't see another buy it now. All you have are biddables or people who know what the game is going for. So then you've got the $55 buy it nows and the $45 auctions. But you're always going to find when a game is getting popular, you're always going to find those cheap buy it nows from people who haven't caught up. And that's what I think the big gap is, is no one's really determined the actual value of it. And as months go by that value becomes more solidified. Well, that could be one way to look at it. I could also look at it as the low prices would be the auctions and the high prices would be the people that have the buy it nows that are inflated more than they should be. That That's true, but I just I, kind of assume that, and I agree with you 100%, but I just kind of assume that people know that. I, I Well, it may not matter if they know that because there's a lot of games that, like Hillbilly Media and, and these larger uh, companies that all they do is buy lots and lots of games, they will buy up games like, again, Kid Clown, they will buy up the three or four available from the auction so they can relist them all at the same price and force you to buy it at that higher price. It's true. I just, I feel like when Some I'm... that happens. When I'm checking prices, the buy it nows that are higher than the auctions, the discrepancy between prices is is smaller than the discrepancy in price between lower buy-it-nows and higher auctions of people who manage to snag a good deal. I think it depends. It depends on a lot of factors. It depends on, I think, if the game is well-known or not. Depends if people but are... No, it's, it's, it's always whether the game is well-known or not. Yeah, I mean, if we look at, I don't know, some random game. I don't know, Danny Sullivan's in the heat. Um, a buy-it-now for that could be, let's just say, $8. Yeah. If it goes for an auction, maybe it only goes for, unfortunately, two fifty plus shipping. Not Danny yeah. Sullivan. Well, you know, but it's the heart. It's not the cost. Of the you're game. right. It's the heart yeah, inside. Right. Can we get Danny Sullivan on the Danny Sullivan hotline? I think we, I, we... I, I actually checked to see if he was on Twitter. There is a Danny Sullivan on Twitter, but unfortunately, it's not the man himself. It's a random like business. I want, I want a phone. A phone. I want. I want a car, <laughs> an indie car shaped phone that only connects to Danny Sullivan. Do you know he was a guest star in a Miami Vice episode? 
I will have to find that Miami yeah. Vice episode. <laughs> it's on YouTube, but it's like it's like a German dub of it. <laughs> so it's like six minutes of him at the racetrack. Even better. Um, from Netrunner09. Man, that is such a good game. Come to San Diego and play it with me. Uh, Ian, with the podcast becoming more popular, do people come to Luna specifically to meet talk to you? Has it affected your work? Um... Yeah, some people have actually come to the store to specifically meet and talk with me. And it's weird. It's not weird on their end. Most of the time, these people are incredibly nice. It's weird to me because I still find a way to convince myself that this podcast exists in a bubble. Um, (laughs) Has it affected my work? No, actually it hasn't. Most of the people who come to see me are very nice, talk to me for a little bit, want to check games for 15 minutes, um, usually buy something, uh, shake my hand and leave. As a matter of fact, the reason why I added this question, because I think I've covered it before, is I had a guy come in today with his wife and daughter, and they had literally gotten into San Diego three hours prior. They had driven from Phoenix, and Luna Video Games was their first stop. And he bought a copy of Dragon Warrior, and he had me sign it, and he was super nice, and I believe his name was Dan. I'm only saying because I want to prove that I do remember people's names sometimes. And uh, no, it was just a really pleasant conversation. He shopped around, he looked around, he took a couple pictures, and uh, that was that. So, yeah, it does happen, but it doesn't affect my work. Like like I said, most of the people who, who, who come say hi to me are really, really polite, and they are there to shop. So after the initial introduction, they just go off and look around. So it's increased, though. It's it, it, oh, it's definitely increased. So you, you don't really tell me all experiences. You used to tell me... So again, like four years ago, every, like once every few months, yeah, that person kind of asked about you. But no, now, it's it's a it's a weekly. Now it's more. It, it's, it's, now it's with a, you, it's, it's more. It's too. a couple times a week thing with you. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Now, um, has it affected your relationship with Max at all? <laughs> Fuck off, Julian Leone. I think this is our last question. It's a good one. Q and A question. Is Ian doing anything special with his facial hair for his wedding? I'm gonna get it trimmed up. I'm going to get it trimmed up nice. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Going Daniel Bryan on us here. I'm going to get it trimmed up nice. I just realized today that it got to this length, this awkward length that I don't necessarily like, where I can grab a good fingerful and kind of rolly it around. Hillbilly length? You're getting almost? Yeah, yeah. I'm almost at hillbilly length. Um, or Amish length. I will probably take it down very short for the wedding, but it's not coming off. Do you want, do you want to do a goatee? No. You want to do that the line like strap helmet one that my cousin would do in the early two thousands? If 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 Vonnie actually gets me in a top hat and coattails, I'm going to be like, imagine me with a top hat. Now trim my facial hair to the top hat. Would you do a mustache though, or would you keep the beard with the top with the top hat coattails? I I would do beard mustache. Top hat coattails. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm beginning to think if I have to have a top hat and coattails though, I'm gonna need a cane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Okay. All right. As long as we're on agreement here, because Vonnie and I haven't talked about that yet, but I'm like, if, this is Victor- if, I, get, if this I get a top hand coattails, I need a cane. This is Victorian era? You have to have a cane. Yeah. yeah basically. 1890s, got to walk around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. We've got the rheumatism. We've <laughs> got the rheumatism. <laughs> Go out in your constitutional, your daily constitutional, you need a walking stick. Exactly. Maybe with a blade hidden inside. I think I heard someone laugh across the internet. Anyway. Well, that'd be a change for you. Um, yeah. Well, that does it for this CU podcast for September 10th. Support us on iTunes. We have a Patreon if you want to support us there. A buck is appreciated. Ian does his weekly blogs for a dollar. Got to do a new one. Yeah. Got to do a one. Got to do get a new on one. It. 
Uh, yeah, season two, episode one, in the bag. Of what? Of podcast? Yeah. We should divide up seasons. The you know, WWE, it was, it was a season premiere. I don't know why I do seasons on yeah, Raw. I- season <laughs> premiere of Raw. They had an announcer go over it like it was like silk stockings <laughs> or something coming back on the air. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, this was fun. Check us out. iTunes, Stitchers. Help us get in the top ten on iTunes again. Even if you listen to this on YouTube or on the website, go to iTunes. Click on the play button or subscribe on iTunes. Help us out. We're going up against huge conglomerates and we're independent. We appreciate it. For Ian Ferguson, I am Pat Contry. We will see you in two weeks. Woo! Woo! We are Audi. Bye. Never saying Audi again.